What exactly is neuro-linguistic programming? It's the user manual for your mind. We go to primary school, secondary school, university, and, and nobody really teaches us how to think. We're taught what to think. What if we believe that healing could be fast? What if we believe that healing could be easy? What if we believe that healing is possible? Guess what? It actually is that simple. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Well, here's the question though. How do you change the way you look at things? I've, I've literally had people look at me and say, holy sh**, this is a generational cycle breaker because he had awareness that he just then in that moment had broken generations of a cycle of pain and suffering and hurt that had been passed down from father to son. Mm. That's Scott Jackson, and this is episode 481 of the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. Every couple of hundred episodes, I get to publish something that absolutely blows everything else out of the water. One of those really special once-in-a-lifetime podcast episodes that you're about to hear right now. This is Josh Trent. This is the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast, and today's guest is Scott Jackson. Scott is the founder and CEO of NLP Freedom. He's a master coach that works with global executives and companies and everyday people, high achievers, to overcome obstacles buried deep in their subconscious mind. Look, we've all heard the phrase from Carl Jung, until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll run your life and you will call it fate. And that has been the case for me. And I know it's the case for all of us because we're human. We have a body, we have a brain. Well, Scott, over the past two decades, not only has overcome drug and alcohol addiction, but he's also mentored tens of thousands of other people walking a path of spirituality and self-discipline with selfless service to others. And honestly, it's really rare for me to say this, but I believe that Scott was brought to me to impact my life from the hand of God. And I don't mean a bearded dude in the sky. I mean the loving awareness, the omnipresence, the higher intelligence, the source that guides and loves all things, the great Tao. I know Scott was brought to me from God. I've experienced so much healing, so much mentoring from Scott in my own life. And with over 600 interviews, it's safe to say that this podcast you're about to experience truly has the power and the potential to change your life. And look, I don't say this lightly. We know that the subconscious mind is the creator of all our life results. Think of it like the iceberg that sits under the water that sinks ships. Well, our subconscious mind can sink us if we don't know how to crack it open and let it melt. Today, if you've been experiencing an inner war where you consistently are fighting with yourself about what to do, how to do it, what choice should you make, this internal war that's so exhausting. Maybe this manifests where you fight with your spouse or you repeat relationships over and over again, or you've been in a space of pain that you just can't seem to escape. Well, all roads of our actions lead to the source of the subconscious mind. It's a really special interview where right in the middle of it, just based on my own journey, where I'm at in my own life right now, I decided I would go to the rewire training. It's coming up real soon. You have to jump on this. Spots are very limited in Austin, Texas. In just a couple of weeks here, October 27th through the 30th, click to joshtrent.com forward slash rewire. Not only are you going to get a special discount from Scott, but also you and I get to spend time together in person. If you ever wanted to experience healing with me or spend time with me in person, if you've been listening to the podcast for years, or if you just started and it's already resonating, 
the things that I've shared about my own spiritual, emotional journey and the quest of wellness, right? This question, how do I live my life? Well, I'm going to go through the growth process with you in person. I invite you to join me in person so we can heal and grow and really just live our lives well. Let's live our lives well once and for all. Now, I will say this is not a basic training. This is for someone who really wants to get the sustainable results so they can be at peace and have this life that they love. If this is you, click to joshtrent.com forward slash rewire. I'm 100% confident that my life will change from this event and so will yours. Scott is a brother. He's a mentor. He's an absolute master. And in this podcast, you're going to experience the truth about how our subconscious mind operates, how to rewire yourself so you can finally create this life that you love that is free from self-sabotage. You'll learn the practical steps as to why you do what you do and how to vulnerably explore the depths of your own subconscious mind so you can once and for all get the results that your heart has always known are true and are possible. So join me at this Rewire event live in Austin, Texas, October 27th through the 30th. The clock has been ticking for us our entire lives. I'm 42 myself. If you're close to my age, or actually it doesn't even matter how old you are. If you're drawn to this work because there's a part of you that knows you need it, every once in a while in your life, someone comes along, maybe even once in a lifetime, a teacher, a mentor like Scott. And all we have to do is just have the courage to answer the call. So answer the call with me, my friend. If you feel my heart and if you listen to the podcast, you know I only recommend what I truly believe in. And I absolutely, hands down, I believe in Scott. I believe in this rewire event, joshtrend.com forward slash rewire. I cannot wait to see you there in person. Now let's tune in with the one and only NLP master coach, Scott Jackson. Scott, we made it. We're here. We are here. Thank you for being my friend. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, brother. It's been a long time coming. You're welcome. Thank you for, yeah. thank you for being my friend and thank you for inviting me on, man. It has been a long time coming. We've, yeah. we've played a whole lot of tag to get here. Yeah. It's interesting. People come into your lives and and you, in hindsight, 2020 can figure out, oh, okay, that's why they're in my life. Yeah. And so you've really given me some unique gifts and facilitate nice. some healing with Carrie and I and yeah. just been a brother, been a friend. And and today is a conversation that is, is close to my heart where I'm at right now in my own personal journey. Yeah. And that is this art of healthy detachment, man. Okay. Uh, so if people, before we get into that, if people don't know you or, you know, maybe this is the first time they're coming across Scott Jackson, like mm -hmm. what, what makes you tick right now? What makes you tick in the world right now? What are you all about, man? What's your service? Mm. Well, thanks, Josh. Um, what makes me tick right now? I mean, what I think what makes me tick now is the same thing that's made me tick for 20 years. It's just the past 20 years just changes form uh, and, and mechanism over time. And, you know, I've, I've been about um, evolution of, of consciousness in some form or, or fashion in my own, uh, especially as it started 20 years ago in my personal journey uh, in healing from severe alcohol and drug addiction. And, you know, from 20 years ago being when I started my journey uh, from having brain damage, kidney damage, liver damage, and being right at the door of death to completely being willing to change my life uh, just because I wanted to live and for nothing more. I wanted to live. I had no other aspiration. And, 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 and little did I know that aspiration would, would actually turn into a spiritual pursuit, a, a pursuit of freedom 
from my, my own suffering and self-imposed, <laughs> I might add. That's uh, usually the case yeah, for, it, for most of us, right? It's yeah. the self-imposed. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. And um, I, I figured that out pretty quickly. And, and you know, from that place of, of desperation, I, I became teachable and I became coachable and I became willing to do what other people told me to do who had more out of their life than I had. And that was, so I, that was very fortunate. It was a good place to be, a very humbling place to be. But that, I didn't know that that pursuit would be a spiritual journey, a, a journey of self-development, self-discovery, and, and ultimately turn into to wanting to serve others because I had no desire to serve others from the beginning, right? It was like, I just want to save myself, man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm just desperately trying not to drown. And, uh, and, and, and then, you know, lo and behold, after a year or so of, of doing work in, in the recovery space, I, I became useful to other people and uh, men who were uh, suffering the way I had suffered, but were not quite where I was yet. And, and, and I didn't know it, but in me was a, a teacher and a mentor was kind of being born. And so I just started helping people in that space. And that's, you know, and, and it really started with with wanting to help other men in their suffering and find freedom through their own relationship, spiritually speaking, with their creators and however they related to that. And uh, that um, raw pursuit in me to know the to know what my relationship to the divine was through my own limitations, my own defects, my own shortcomings, my own suffering, my own attachments. Um, you know, like I, I continued to dig deeper and deeper and, <clears throat> and then through that <clears throat> was able to give more to others. And, and so over, over the years I've, I've just continually pursued my own development and then turn around and share that with others in, in whatever form I've been at. So, you know, over the past seven years, we've been using, uh, neuro-linguistic programming and, and uh, some technology called timeline therapy for healing trauma, phobias, negative emotions, limiting beliefs and decisions, and and also some hypnosis and some other things where we've worked with you know a lot of coaches and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and impact focused humans in their own healing and expansion and evolution. So uh, there's lots of of mechanisms uh, and paths I've, I've played in over the years. But if we, you ask what I'm all about, it's still that. It's yeah. just evolving the consciousness of, of us. What makes you tick is service, is being is. of service. And, it, and I man. feel like none of us, none of us can be of service unless we've gone through the experience of the opposite of that service. In other words, we serve in the ways that we once needed and that we learned how to integrate and embody. And where I'm at, and I think where a lot of us are at, is this monkey mind. Yeah. <laughs> this mind that tells us things that quite simply, brother, aren't true. They really aren't true, yeah. but yet we believe them to be true. And I would say the number one, if not the, the definitely the top five, number one seems like lately, most people, when they comment on social or when they email me or just in general, mm-hmm. how do I stop these loops that I'm experiencing? How do I stop this terror, really this fucking tyrant that exists mm-hmm. in my mind at times? 
And I think when we look at relationships or finances or health, it's all the same thing. It's whatever my deep subconscious is telling me. And this is why like, it's both an honor and a privilege to have you on the show because I'm thinking like, wow, not only am I getting to showcase my healing right now, Mm -hmm. but we get to talk about some of the ways in which you've helped me, man. That, that have been really powerful. So as a jumping off point, um, we know that Bandler started NLP, gosh, maybe 30, 40 years ago. Mid-70s. Mid-70s. Yeah, and, yeah Bandler um, and Grinder. Yeah. And Grinder. And I actually got The Color of Magic, which was one of their initial The books, Structure of Magic. The Structure of Magic. Mm-hmm. And I, I love some of the ideas in there, but it seemed like really heady and it really gets people to like the practical for them to actually integrate and embody this wisdom. So if somebody has heard of NLP and they're like, okay, isn't that where you enunciate your voice or it's where you manipulate the mind? There's a lot of bullshit out there about NLP. There is. Um, but it's yeah. but it's been a huge part, man, a huge part of your healing yourself mm-hmm. and how you serve others. Mm-hmm. You're one of the top 25, I believe, trainers in the United States and yeah. in the North, Northern America. One of the that, f- yeah, one of the few master trainers in North America. Yeah. So from a simplistic way, and we'll, we'll kind of unpack yeah. each layer. Yeah. What exactly is neuro-linguistic programming at its core, at its basic level? Well, what a, what a good question. Um, and what a good in- introduction in this conversation. I... There's so many ways to answer that. Uh, there really is. It's probably changed for you over the years too. It, it has. Um, it has and it hasn't. It's gotten more complex in a way. More. It's gotten, no, no, no. Let me, let me cancel that. It's gotten more expansive. It's expanded more, which yeah. is actually what one should be able to do if they really do the work that exists within NLP and, and timeline therapy, which we can talk about the timeline therapy yes. in a moment. But one, one of the ways one of my friends says it is she says it's like it's the user manual for your mind but you, if it, it's a metaphor, right? Like we don't, we go to university, we go to primary school, secondary school, university, and, and nobody really teaches us how to think. We're taught what to think. And, yeah. and, and we don't take into account that during the zero to seven age period, we, we live in what's, we're all in developmentally or in what's called the imprint period. And during that time, we, we have no ability to, to filter anything out that comes in to our consciousness. So anything that comes in through our senses, our five senses, we, we can't filter any of it. So what we perceive, what we feel, what we interpret, what we experience in our lives is, is all internalized in the way that it is based on our internal wiring and the development of, of values, the development of what are called our meta programs, um, the development of of a whole bunch of unconscious filters. We're essentially on drugs, right? The hemispheres are more connected. There's, yeah. we're in childlike joy. There's a well. There's a there's. A, it's actually called. It's there's a, Dr. Paul Goodwin says that the, he calls it the arborization period, and he postulates that we make somewhere upwards of a million new neurological connections per hour. So think about your son. He's making upwards of a million neurological connections per hour every day. Feels like it. Yeah. yeah. Right? So here's the thing. No three-year-old in the world, mom walks in the door and has a bad day and is upset or hurt or angry or frustrated or what have you and walks in in that state. <clears throat> and the little child, the little three-year-old wants, hey, mommy wants you know to have love or, or a connection or what have you but mom's in a bad mood. The three-year-old does not have the ability to go, oh, mom's just having a bad day. They take it personally yeah. in whatever way they take it personally, right? So during this, and this is all of us, man, this is the life experience. This is the human condition, the human experience. 
But during that period, we're, we're so conditioned with, with what's going on in our environment, right? And so we, we formulate so many things in the imprint period about how we're going to relate to life. And, and we have nothing we can do about it. Then from like 8 to 15, we attempt to actually socialize that, right? We start implementing that, what we've been imprinted with in our peer groups, which then starts actually anchoring in everything we've been imprinted with as we start finding our identity as young people, and, and which is really just a conditioning of what's happened, you know, early on in the imprint period. Mm. And then we get into socialization as we get into our later teen years and, and early 20s. And then w this all comes from Morris Massey's work, a famous sociologist. Uh, and, and then we get into, um, of course, the, the business persona happens that comes from William's James, William James in mid-20s through the 30s. And, and so all this conditioning, all this programming happens, right? And, it, and we don't have any real conscious choice in it. So we have so much of what's subconscious or unconscious you know, if you think of the iceberg metaphor, right? You got the conscious mind, which is the tip of the iceberg above the surface, then the unconscious mind, which is this mass of, of the iceberg below the surface. And that's where all of our stuff is. And so when working with, you know, I had done so much, it was, it was the spiritual path that brought me to NLP. It was being, you know, on a high level spiritual path and, and working with, you know, some really profound spiritual teachers. And one of them who said, you, you need to learn this work in NLP and timeline therapy. And, and I was like, eh, whatever, you know, and then, and I went and took the training and had such a profound experience because when I, <clears throat> when I was able to get at, when I found the way to identify what was unconscious within me, you know, limiting beliefs sequences of things that happen in my unconscious mind. We, in NLP, they're called strategies, little sequences of things that run really fast unconsciously, but produce behaviors externally. When I was able to identify those things, because I had now had the, the understanding of what was going on in my mind, remember the user manual, right? Once mm -hmm. I got it, yeah. the how to think, not the what to think. When I got to understand how I thought and how my mind worked, and especially how my subconscious or unconscious mind worked, and then from that had mechanisms or tools or techniques, if you will, that would allow me to go in and, and, and rewire things, right? To change things. Um, I was able to let go of things that had plagued me, like I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. Things that had been formed all the way back in that imprint period that no matter how much work I did, whether it be therapeutic work, gestalt therapy, experiential therapy, or spiritual work, meditation, prayer, service, step work. Man, I had done everything from a little odd Joe to a damn if I know, but I had been unable to get at some of these deeply rooted things that I'd almost just become resigned to live with. Mm. And, and it's like, you know, okay, it is what it is. And I'll just live with it. But when I found that, and you, you mentioned the structure of, of magic, mm -hmm. which it is a very heady read, but the thing about that, the name of that book, the structure, it's very precision. It's a, it's a very precise use of language by Bandler intentionally. Because from an, uh, an NLP perspective, in, in, this, in NLP, what we look at is structure, not content. So essentially this, if, if I believe that I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy, and that's an unconscious belief, that belief is still held linguistically that linguistic holding of that belief is actually held neurologically. 
if we can break the structure of that neurology, mm. then the belief can no longer exist within us. The neuro part is actually changing with your software. Yeah. You're changing the physical hardware. And removing the emotional charge that exists within the container. So if you take this, if you take this, this, this coffee or this uh, water glass, and you think about the glass as like, um, like there's a structure here, right? The structure allows the water or the liquid to be contained within it. If it wasn't there, it would just be gone. So if you take like a, a, a limiting belief or a trauma, if you will, or a phobia or what have you, th there's a structure to those things neurologically. But if we can remove that structure, then all that's contained within it, all the emotions, the hurt, the pain, the, the whatever, right? And then the behaviors that trigger from it when it's triggered, if we can, can d d blow out the boundaries of the structure, if we can dissolve this or, or expand it or break it down, what have you, and we can create new structure in its place, then what happens is all that old content that used to be in there just dissipates. Because the truth is the content, and in my belief, you know, I'm not saying anybody has to believe this, just my experience and belief is that the content is, is really just energy. And so the emotion that's there is energy. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and what energy is never wasted, right? It just changes form. So if we can remove the structure that contains that energy, then that energy gets freed up to move to other places in the body. And then that, no, that, that old structure is no longer there to hold it. So if we can dismantle that belief, the cup, if you will, then it can't hold the content anymore. Dude, why do you think talk therapy specifically, like I've played in that realm for maybe 20 plus years. Yeah. It at times like starts to tease out what you call the energy, mm -hmm. but then there's other times where it really never even penetrates the wall. And the mm -hmm. wall is actually the barrier that is laced around this energy, like energy in motion, right? Emotion. Mm -hmm. Emotion. I, I feel like we only have five core emotions. I'm curious how you feel about that. But we use these words to describe the feelings. Like it's almost like feelings or guideposts mm -hmm. to the actual emotion that we're experiencing. And these emotions get locked in because of trauma or physical abuse, sexual abuse. Like I don't know what it's like to be sexually abused or to lose a child or to go through these incredible tragedies, but mm -hmm. I've had my own, you know, lowercase T traumas and capital T traumas. I find, and I'm curious how you feel that many of us, we lock onto the belief and it actually becomes this identity of we're an overcomer. Mm -hmm. We're somebody that can handle any trauma that comes our way. And I feel like in a way, God brings us new traumas. I don't pray for strength anymore because I pray for grace. I don't yeah. want God to bring me any more <laughs> smart, uh, smart. challenges to, to prove yeah. my strength. Yeah. But, but going back to the lacing around that, from an NLP perspective, there's that energy capsule in there. There's the lacing around it. Mm -hmm. How do you get in there, man? How do you and Joni get in there and start to unwind that lacing that lets the energy free? How do you do that? Well, that that's... Um, how the how is is the work right the how is the work but the it, it starts with adoption of of some new ways of thinking there's a phrase we use in in conversational change in in creating new structure and it's called in in, in the way people think it, it's called loosening someone's model of the world right like if 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 someone's got a tight grip on their problem they're really connected to their problem, right? Like if I've got a really tight grip on this, like I'm like, you know what I'm saying? You know, like when you love your problem and you like- I just breathed out because there's yeah. a few things I'm doing that in my own life, yeah. I'm gripping tight. Of course, man, yeah. because like there, there's that, you said it, there's that identity, there's that association to it, right? And it's like, I'm my, 
you know, pro- almost cussed, right? I'm a problem, right? Like I'm a fucking problem. You can cuss. If, okay, if good. It's I'm like, serve us. I'm like, I'm a fucking problem, right? Yeah. Like we're really married to it and yeah. involved in it. And what we would say in NLP associated into it, meaning we're in it, feeling the emotions, the identity, the charge, all of that with it. In, until, in, in my experience, the, the, we must loosen someone's model of the world around that. We must loosen their grip. Now, the how of how we do that is, you know, if we're, if we're talking about in the context of, let's say we're doing a training, um, which are, you know, to, to a general population or to a, a focused group of people, whether it doesn't matter, we still start in no matter what any context we teach, we introduce ideas and concepts and ways of thinking, uh, presuppositions, if you will, convenient assumptions. Mm-hmm. We, we introduce ideas and ways of thinking that once one adopts those ways of thinking, naturally the adoption of those thoughts will loosen at the unconscious level a grip on things. And so when we can loosen someone's grip on their problem, then there's room to move it, right? Because the, the truth is here, well truth. That's a relative thing. But it's the, your subjective truth subjective from decades truth. of work. It is. Right? It's, it's, it is. And, and it, but I, I don't like to claim the truth for other people, right? I'm just like, well, here's my experience in working with over the years with, with thousands of people and, and training and speaking in front of many people over the years is that when, when we can loosen someone's relationship to their problem, to their suffering to, and, and give them resourceful ways of thinking. You know, we've got a, a belief, a presuppositional belief or a, a foundational belief that there are no unresourceful people. There are only unresourceful states. Mm. So that's one of the beliefs that if we adopt it, it gives us a lot of personal empowerment, right? And so when someone's unresourceful around a situation or a problem, they're not unresourceful as a person. They're just in an unresourceful state. So if I can give them access to that resourcefulness that already exists within them by the way I teach or the way I coach or the way I introduce ideas to them, and if they're, now here's the key, willing to learn and accept and try on those ideas, then that naturally will bring up the resourcefulness within them and will give them the ability to move forward. At the end of the day, I can't change anybody. Yeah, You know, you and I have talked about this a lot, right? Like yeah. I, I always point people back to their personal power. I, I'm I'm big in in interdependent relationships, not codependent relationships, and so I would I, I'm I'm going to serve you or anyone else, and and Joni and I both we're going to serve you much better if we can have you choose your own resourcefulness and and be and believe that you have the ability and the power within you to change, and when you can and when any of us can give up being the victim. And not saying that we haven't had atrocious, horrible things happen to us because yeah. we have in life. All of us have had, and you said, you know, whether it's little T or big tree, yeah. big T for, yeah. for trauma. My, my thing is trauma is relative. I don't even really relate to it in big or little because it's like what's traumatic to one person may not be to the next person. Yeah. But it's, yeah. if it's traumatic to them, it's traumatic to them. And I respect the hell out of that, right? And so, yet I still, do you want to, does one want to live from their trauma for their whole life? Or would they rather freedom? And, and so that's the thing with me, like, do you want to, do, do we want to suffer or do we want freedom? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and doesn't mean that freedom does not involve some suffering to get there because it can. Being free of things can be painful. Breaking patterns can be painful. But the prize for me has to be greater than what I'm going to get through going through whatever I've got to go through to get free. 
that has to be greater to me and be more motivational to be and more desirable to me personally to than than the continued suffering of maintaining my pain. Is the pain of changing worse or can I come to grips with accepting the pain of changing? Is it more serious and more maybe exhausting to what my ego is afraid of than me not changing at all? There like you go. what's is is the give worth the shove essentially. And I, and I feel like most people, they, they only get to that willingness, Scott, when they're in extreme amounts of pain. Like that, that's been the case for me. What launched this podcast seven years ago was me crying to God on a golf course, overlooking the Omni in Carlsbad in San Diego. And I just said, God, like, show me where to go, please. Like, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, I I want something different for this life. And I feel like, cause you mentioned, I'm not going to change people unless they're willing. Yeah. And I think when people, you know, if people come to the rewire event, if people come to any of your trainings, mm-hmm. your, your programs, mm-hmm. your information, there's some pain in them that wants to be relieved. Agreed. There's some wisdom that they're seeking that they know that the answer is somewhere out there. Maybe you, what you really do is you help them unlock it in themselves. It's yeah. something they already know to be true. Yeah. Can, can you expand on that? Um, you know, it's. Yeah, I, I can. Well, first of all, I, pain can be a great motivator. I agree with that 100%. And, you know, there was a, a line from really the first book I started working with, which was the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous many years ago, 20 years ago. And, and there's a line in that book that says, most of us had to be pretty badly mangled before we commenced to solve their problems. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was my truth personally, right? I had to be pretty badly mangled and I've gone through that cycle over and over, over the years. Right. And, and, and now today it's, it's a lot more subtle, my, my willingness to change. But I, I, I think those catalytic changes that we go through and so many more people are going through today because there's so many more resources available for personal growth and development than there ever has been. Yeah. And, and, and so like people are going through massive breakdowns, massive calamity. And from that, finding the resources to help support their resourcefulness that's mm-hmm. coming out of that pain. So speaking of that, I, I agree with it 100%. Um, and that, that pain is a great motivator and can help us change. Now, the, and so, and I think, in, and whether in all of our events, you know, after doing what we've done for as long as we've done it, um, I, here's what I've I noticed, that usually most people come to our event, they have something clear that they want. Maybe they want to grow their business or grow money or have a better relationship or what have you, right? Whatever, yeah. you know, normal stuff that we all want in life, right? We all want to grow and be more and have more. Very common. Some don't, but I think most, the majority of us do. Most of the people that invest and come to the Whoever's events do Whoever's here with have, us wants that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. I agree. And, 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 and what I've noticed over the years is that people come to get what they want, but what I see is they get what they need. And, and what they need often is out of conscious awareness to them. But once they get into the event and into the space of change and, and into a container that supports their evolution and expansion and the the dropping of the guard and the protective mechanisms that are out there in the world with them all the time, that all of a sudden more things related to what they need at like a heart level, a soul level start to become emergent. So yeah, they get what they want, Mm. but they get what they need. But they didn't, if they knew what they wanted, they would just get it on their own. So in 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 a paradox, they have to get what they need 
because if they knew what they needed, they wouldn't be able to just like come to the event and get the teaching. They, they have to get what they need, but the, what they think they need actually isn't what they need at all. It's something else. It is. Oftentimes it is. And it's in the iceberg. It it's, is. It's way it's, deep in there. It is. It is. And that's, you know, we, we've got so many, you know, there's, we, we have a, a bunch of things we call prime directives of the unconscious mind and, and, and in there and teaching those and sharing those with people and getting them open to like, first of all, many people believe they have an unconscious or a subconscious mind that they know so little about it. So when we start teaching them about their unconscious mind and their sub, you know, I, we say, I say those words interchangeably, sub and un, I, I use un a lot more because sub at some level implies something under something. And I don't really think of it as below. Yeah. Um, from a, just a representational perspective, I think of it as just, it's unconscious, it's out of awareness, right? Out of conscious awareness. But nonetheless, when, when we introduce these ideas to people around what are the prime directives, what's really going on unconsciously, what are the purposes and the drivers and the, the needs of the unconscious mind? What is it really here to serve? And, and when people adopt and, and accept those ideas, even what happens is sometimes they don't accept them consciously and I'll see it. But because they're in the container and they accept their unconscious mind takes it in and their unconscious mind knows that they're, they're in a place to change and that they're in a place that's safe and that they're in a place where they get to, to actually start living into what they need, then it starts bringing things up to be resolved. Mm. And they, and that's how they don't know what they need, but they get it because it comes from, just like you said, from deeply what's unconscious. But what we found is, is, you know, and I know you've, you've done lots of different work and you've been in, in your own pursuit of, of wellness and expansion for a long time. Yeah. And you know the power personally of getting outside of the comfort zone of your normal container, your normal life, your normal rhythm and everything. As much right? as possible. Yeah. Like when you go to an intensive retreat or you go do a vision quest or you go to, you know, something that breaks you out of your comfort zone, then that enables us to movement to happen, transformation to be available. And, and so we, when we get people into the environments, um, we've seen that over and over again, right? That, yeah. that, that something dismantles. One of the things I loved on your website, it's nlpfreedom.com, right? Yeah, yeah. I was looking earlier this morning and I love this, where you talked about the unconscious mind being the go-getter. This mm -hmm. is like a thing where whether or not we want what it's going to get, it's going to get it. It is. So if it wants victimhood, if it wants... Um, compassion, it's going to get it by whatever means necessary, mm -hmm. by however it was trained, maybe starting in that zero to seven period where sure. the hemispheres were connected. So I, I, I'm curious how you feel with all the people that you've trained and even honestly in our work, you know, the, the way that you've helped Carrie and I come yeah. together and be more loving and the structure of like, what does it look like to actually be vulnerable with someone and use the right language so that they truly feel your heart? I think we can turn that around on ourselves. I know I definitely have. How does that begin to unfold in trainings or in work with people where you can see their subconscious or their unconscious going and getting something? Mm -hmm. How do you determine what it's actually getting? You mean, how do I determine it with others? Yeah. How do you see it within your students? Like if you know that the, the unconscious is getting something, mm -hmm. how do you determine, like, can you give us an example of maybe a situation where the person didn't actually know that their unconscious was getting them what they didn't want? Yeah, I'll give you... A great example. Um, you know, and the, just to kind of, and I love that you brought this up, you know, so let me 
can I add a little bit to the, Please, the idea? Yeah, yeah. So we say that the conscious mind is the goal setter, the unconscious mind is the goal getter. And that's why, you know, and, and, and think about it, if you ever set a goal and like consciously you believed it, you were like a hundred percent on the certainty meter, right? Like, you especially knew you when the, you said it, you're like, yeah, I'm doing this. You knew it. Like you, you're like, you're congruent. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. But then it doesn't happen. Right. And you're like, what happened? Or you just go, oh, it wasn't meant to be or something like that. Right. And, and so here, here's the idea that, yeah, the conscious intention, the goal setter was a hundred percent. But there were things that were unconscious that were in conflict with that. So if you think about the metaphor of like a long wave radio versus a short wave radio, right? Mm -hmm. Like an FM band is a more powerful band, but it doesn't go as far because of atmospheric resistance because it's a long wave, right? But if you take a short wave radio like AM, it's a shorter wave. It has less atmospheric resistance and it goes much farther in distance, right? That's why an AM station can be picked up all the way across the state, but an FM just in a metro area. The conscious mind is like the FM band. Mm. The unconscious mind is like the AM, the shortwave. It transmits farther. So when people have that stuff, and we all, this is all of us, right? When we're, we call it, in our work, we call it, it's um, like an incongruence between our conscious and our unconscious mind. And so they're disintegrated. They're not integrated, mm. right? So, and, and, you know, we all know what it's like to be conflicted inside or be incongruent in some yeah. way. Sure. It's part of life. Well, the, the, the work we do is really focused on creating that integration, that experience of wholeness, that alignment internally um, at, at the mental and emotional level, primarily through the work of, of NLP and, and timeline therapy, yet, which is structural work, and yet they also affect the, um, the spiritual body and the physical body, right? So all bodies are worked on. We just go at it in this work through more of the mental and the emotional structural approach. Uh, so an example, usually by the time, because we, you know, at the, the foundational level of teaching, if we're teaching this NLP trainings, it's the practitioner level. And then above that's the master level. And and we typically see it more at the prac level because that's mm. where you, people are coming into a whole new way of thinking. Like they're being introduced to a whole new model of reality. And and so, and that can bring up a lot of stuff. And, and one time we had this, this was a training in Boulder, Colorado, back uh, a couple of years ago, back right before COVID, when we were still doing everything live and in person. And this, this amazing woman, uh, I think she was down from like the Portland area and in the training and really wanted to be successful in her business and, uh, you know, came in with that intention to, mm -hmm. to grow her business and to do whatever she had to do to break through in her business. And and, and as she's getting into the training, as we're getting closer, deeper into the experience about day four, getting close to getting into the really deeper work in the training, um, I'm, I'm watching and we see this, you know, you start seeing little patterns of people checking out um, and her specifically, she was like starting to get physiological kind of tense and a little bit jittery and I could just notice that something was going on in her. Mm. And, and right as we were approaching where we were going to do the work of, of letting go of major negative emotions from the past and uh, getting ready to go into the timeline therapy work, um, we, we were on a break. And I had, she had been really open in the beginning of the training, but I started to notice her close down and close down and close down. And, and then and we were literally at a break. And all of a sudden I heard footsteps running down the hall, like running down the hall. And I just, my, my intuition said, go. 
And I just stuck my head out and I could see her rounding the corner. It was like a long curved hall in a hotel. <laughs> she was out. <laughs> she was booking, man. Yeah. Booking. And I was like, and I just took off mm. after her, right? Because I knew if I could catch her and talk her off the ledge that it would be worth it. But I also knew that, you know, there's one of the things we do, we calibrate on behavior. And, and I could assume that based on this behavior, this wasn't the first time she'd ever ran from something in her life. Well, I did catch her right as she was exiting the door of the hotel and we had a great conversation. <clears throat> she cried, she opened up. But what really came up was that every time she comes up against it, when things are emotionally tough or challenging, she runs. She runs from relationships. She ran from family. Now, guess what? That was a pattern she developed when she was a young girl because of abuse in the home. And see, we develop coping mechanisms to cope with life because like a, a kid doesn't have the emotional maturity yet or the intellectual capacity yet to know how to deal with things rationally. So our unconscious mind creates coping mechanisms that help us survive in situations that otherwise would not be survivable. That was me with pornography. That, that was you with drugs. I, I, pornography as well. Absolutely. Right. Sex. Yeah. I've, I've looked at it. I mean, man, I've used about every coping mechanism I could to avoid pain. And they're good because they keep you alive for a while, they but do. they also slowly kill you as they well. They, there's a point of, <laughs> let's say no more return on that mechanism, right? On that strategy. Yeah. And so, but fortunately for this, this woman, um, you know, I caught her and I said, look, it, it, you got a choice. We're here. You're in a safe place. This is coming up for a reason. I brought her back to things I've been teaching her since day one. This is why this is happening. Make the connection, make the connection. And she was like, okay. And she came back in and she had an unbelievable breakthrough, right? But it was that goal getter. What was her breakthrough? What was it? Well, her breakthrough was she let go of the negative emotions. She let go of the trauma that happened with her mother and her father when she was a kid. She released all of that trauma. So her breakthrough was that she actually could stay. She could lean in. She was able to break the pattern of running and start leaning into the challenging situations. She went home and transformed her relationship with her husband. She had twin sister that she'd had such a tumultuous relationship with, like a love-hate relationship with her twin sister, mm. like always seeing her twin as better than her, right? She was able to go home and lean into that conversation instead of avoiding it like she'd been doing or sabotaging their relationship through fighting or through rejection or closing off, she was able to lean in and actually get vulnerable with her and say, hey, this is how I've related to you all my life. I've always thought you were better than me. I've always thought everybody loved you more than me. And I've pushed you away my whole life because of that. I mean, that's mm. not transformation. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm feeling that in my, in my heart and my throat. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely seeing that in my life in many different relationships yeah. and even the ways that I close my heart. It's this analogy that I think a lot of people understand. We've had a ton of people on the show talk about like the opening and closing of the heart, whether yeah. it's Dr. John Gray or, you know, even in Hawkins work where there's the emotional ladder, he describes yeah. for some people, Scott, the biggest distance in the world is between the head and the heart. And, and I think I for myself and I, and I, I wonder how you'd explain this. Um, so many of us, we think that closing our heart is actually the right thing to do because the ego or the programming or the unconscious has created a strategy or behavior that says, well, at least when you close your heart, there's a guarantee, there's a fucking guarantee that you'll be safe, but there's a price that's paid for that perceived safety. Sure. How, how do you, how, how would you describe that price that's paid for clo the closing of the heart, essentially? That's a great question, Josh. I mean, it, it's kind of back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Around, am I willing to pay the price? Is the, is the perception of the safety that comes from that, 
worth the loss of all the things I truly want by maintaining the safety. Right. And, and so, and, but that's a, here's the thing, that development of that safety, man, we have a question when I, I don't really do one-on-one work anymore, but I did for a long time. But one of the questions we ask is, is, is there a purpose? What's a purpose for you having this problem, whatever it is, because we've identified what their structure of their main problem is by this time in the discovery process. And I'll tell you, 95% of everyone's response is protection or safety. Mm. No matter what the problem is. Yeah. Because we we don't like to be emotionally hurt, man. That's just the truth of it, right? Like no one likes to hurt. Mm-hmm. And and so we develop I believe that we develop, generally speaking, coping mechanisms and ways of protecting and making ourselves safe at young ages. And then the price we pay for those once we become young adults and then grow older into our or, or more into our adulthood, when we continue running the same behaviors that we developed many years earlier, the price gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And and it's like, and and it's also more entrenched behaviorally at mm-hmm. the unconscious level, so it becomes even harder to break. You know, like it's really the easiest people to work with in the world, in the world, in my experience, are, are younger people and teenagers because they're still so plastic. Yeah, the, they're still the, so, the whole, oh, it's harder to change a zebra stripes. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's like, there's some truth to that, well, it seems like, the, you or know, maybe not. I, I don't know that I, I think anyone can change if they're willing to. Mm-hmm. It, it can be harder at certain places for sure. And, and the... And there has to, there's always got to be a willingness to men, willingness to look at self, a willingness to be honest with self, a willingness yeah. to go where we haven't gone before. But we got to be, we call it secondary gain, right? Like am I, when we perceive that what we get out of maintaining our problem is more valuable than letting go of the problem, we'll never let go of the problem. This is the model from teaching that you've developed. And I, I'm curious if you ever even got into the whole talk therapy model. Because a lot of what I've learned from talk therapy and even the beliefs that I'm unraveling now, that's why I do this podcast because it's therapy. (laughs) That's why you're here, (laughs) man. You're giving me therapy and you're giving all of us therapy. Wonderful. So so I'm curious in your own life, have you you done the talk therapy? And then at what point did you really say, you know, thank you for the lessons and the blessings. Like I'm going to transfer over to this model where I'm really going to understand timeline therapy, Mm -hmm. which seems to be more of like a surgery rather than of relaxing of the ego that a lot of kind of therapy does. It, it, it relaxes the ego a little bit, but mm-hmm. as far as sustainable change, like long-term, that's what we're all looking for, man. Yeah. We want sustainable change, mm-hmm. starting with the mind and the unconscious. When, when did you do the talk therapy and, and when did you make the transfer over to NLP and really start understanding timeline therapy and maybe mm-hmm. flush that out? Okay. No, good question. I mean, there's, uh, I did, you know, my pursuit of freedom was, you know, that, that desperation I talked about earlier that I had, it was like the desperation of a drowning man is the way I relate to it. Um, that was a great place to launch for me 20 years ago. Um, because it made me like, if somebody said, Hey, go try this, I'd go, okay. I I just would do anything. And like, I didn't, you know, I was, uh, atheist till I was 25. And then I, I actually died in a drug overdose at 25 years old. And, and, and then found out there was something on the other side of physical form. But then the next five years it took to get sober, so I, which were really miserable, bottom of the barrel, bottom years for me. But I knew there was something bigger. So the, the one 
cool thing about my starting place or my jumping off place was that I was kind of like a blank slate. I didn't have, I had almost no conditioning or programming around religion, spirituality, therapy, anything, Mm. which made me, I didn't have many preconceived notions, right? So like when somebody said, hey, uh, go see this therapist, I'd go, okay, or go to this church or go to this temple or go to this synagogue. I literally would go anywhere, man. Mm-hmm. And so, and just pursue, right? And seek. So it's kind of like that Hunter Thompson saying, right? Like buy the ticket, take the ride. I just kept buying the ticket and taking the ride. And, and so that had me go down many paths and quite a few different therapeutic paths with gestalt therapy, generally normal types of talk therapy as well with multiple therapists, experiential therapy. Um, which like was the actually, CBT and the, and the EMDR, stuff like that? No, I did EMDR, but no, yeah. experiential therapy where we're doing like, um, like actually role-playing from different pl- places in our like lives with multiple people and like, you know, expressing emotion through like beating pillows with bats and, and things like that. And like, that's where I met my inner child was in that. I mean, I was like a, you know, tattooed, big motorcycle riding, Harley riding dude, man. And I, I met my inner child when I was like 30, six years old and, and like, you know, would have thought I was the toughest guy on the block and, and like, dude, and I'm in on the floor, like wailing, crying, man, like one mm. of the most deeply fucking touching experiences, you know, where I met this three-year-old little wounded boy, man, that had been running my life. And, and so like, I got some benefit out of those things, you know, but I, I didn't, I, and, and so I don't, I don't really knock anything. I just, you said something about lasting change, you know, yeah. and like there, there, I think there are a lot of, there, there are probably some therapies and things out there that don't really produce that so well. But and, there's steps, there's stages to get you to a place where maybe your system could absorb the long-term wisdom. There you go. And and so I look at it all as like, I chose it all, yeah. right? Every bit of it on the path, because there's a saying I have, like evolution is evolutionary, evolutionary, not revolutionary. And it's measured in inches, not miles. And so there were many of those times where it was like little quarter inches for me or half inches for me, right? Just kept moving forward a little bit, you know? And, and in the moment I couldn't see that I was changing, but over a couple of years, I'd look back and all of a sudden those inches had added up to a mile or two. And I was like, oh yeah, man, it's like really different now, you know? Yeah. And I could see and feel myself as a different man. So I'm, I'm grateful for all of it, you know? Um, and, and by the time I did get to, to the thing with, when I got to NLP, you know, many people come to, there, like you said, there's a lot of stuff out there around NLP that's negative. And, yeah. Because um, people use the tool for negativity. People use it. Look, for control. It, it, some people do. Yeah. Here's the thing. It, it, this, this beautiful wood table we're at can be, it, it has no meaning in of itself, but we can use it to have this beautiful talk. And that's one thing. And we have an incredible connection, but we could take it and throw it out the window and it hit somebody's car outside. And then it, it becomes a thing of destruction. Mm. Right. So it was the intention of who used the table as to what creates what comes from it. Right. You could say that about anything, breathwork, psychedelics. And I do say it about anything. Yeah. I, I actually believe that nothing has any meaning other than what we place on it. And so the intention, if it comes to teaching, if it comes to sharing, if it comes to helping, if it comes to serving, then what are the values? What are the beliefs? What is the intentionality of the person who's teaching, sharing, serving? And that's where, that's where it comes from. So, so like there's plenty of people out there that use this thing that's actually neutral, 
which are these, all these teachings, but they use it from their own values, their beliefs, their intentionality, their motives. And then some of those then get perceived as negatives because maybe they are using it for manipulation or harm or control or influence in a way that's not ecological. But for me, ecology is a really, really big deal, the study of consequences, right? And like, I wouldn't have walked away. I mean, I walked away when I Dude, when I found it, like the work in NLP, especially with with the integration work that's in NLP, which is a wholeness part of the work, which was so deeply transformational at the soul level. And then with timeline therapy, which is a mechanism for releasing negative emotions, limiting beliefs, limiting decisions, traumas, and phobias from the past, all the way back into the womb and before. Mm. And I'm talking effectively, bro. Even when generational? I, generational, even past lives, if mm -hmm. one believes in that. And... And it was so profoundly effective that on day four of my training experience, I went, I'm not going back. I was in a corporate gig making, doing well. I went, I'm done. <laughs> I'm never, I've never worked for anybody since that day. Uh, I never went back to my job. Yeah. I, I, I quit. I took severance. I started my coaching business and that was over seven years ago. And, and I've, all I've done since is help people. And within a year, I went on to be a trainer because I went, man, I want to like ripple effect. I want to share this work with as many people as I can because I'd rather teach people how to fish than, than prepare a man a really good fish, which I like preparing a man a perfect fish, but yeah. I'd rather teach more people to fish. So I wanted to share it. But that was because my values were, I cared about, I mean, I had worked with so many addicts and alkies over the years, right? That, And I had done all that out of service, out of the heart, out of a spiritual path, not for financial gain just yeah. did it because that was my path and so i had i had already found and entrenched in me the value of service and uh, as a spiritual principle and so that was really meaningful to me so it was like when i found this work though, i went man now i've got a way that i can share with so many people because here's the thing everybody suffers from in some form the conditioning and the programming and the stuff of their past yeah and and the more people i can share this work with the better and so I just, that's what I've done since. The timeline therapy is really interesting because I, th I think about the paradigm that I've gone in and out of, Scott, and, you know, maybe I need to come to rewire myself, actually. I, I kind of think you should. And so I think I might. <laughs> actually, I just decided that right now. Y'all are going to meet me at rewire. So <laughs> go to joshtrent.com forward slash rewire right now to learn about what we're going to do at the end of October. Okay. Um, I just decided that right now. So I'm, it was I'm so in my heart, man. And I kind of knew you were coming. Yeah. So you never I, offered I, it to I, me. Well, I was like, it was coming okay. from me, but like you, it just happened. So yeah, cause I actually, did offer it to you on the ethereal plane. I've already sent it right, to you. The from seed a was planted. Yeah. I, I've so, sent it to you, man. Joni and I have even talked about it. So I think about the ways, the paradigm that I have existed in and I've fluttered in and out of with breath work and psychedelics and cold therapy and vision quests and fill in the blank, man. I mean, even Vipassana's that I've done for sure. And I want to, I want to hit this right on the head. So many therapists out there and so many probably millions of people that are experiencing these programs, they come from this place of, well, healing long-term trauma or healing long-term stuff, you can't do it quickly. It has to be this long, drawn-out process. There's this thing called the emotion code where they put like a magnet over your head. Mm -hmm. I think that's bullshit, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Good. Don't, don't look at it. But then also there's like these 10, 15, 20, 30 year journeys where people are in their 60s, 70s, and they're still wounded by their parents. They're still wounded by life. And they've maybe done therapy that whole single time. Bring us to the truth of what you know to be true from your own life experience and your wisdom about timeline therapy. How does it differ from talk therapy? How does it actually produce these 
these neurological changes that are essentially long-term? Okay. Well, this is a great question. Um, the first, we, we have a, a different approach. So in all those other forms of therapy that you were speaking about generally, what often is done in therapeutic measures is going into the content and dissecting content. And, and over time, the hope is that dissipates the energy of that and that gets someone gets healing, learning, resolution, so on and so forth. That works sometimes. What also can happen is it actually can strengthen it for others. So if we're thinking about the boundaries again, if we go back to the, the, the container, what if, just idea, what if going into it and picking apart actually strengthens it mm. as a thing in the past? So rather than, than de-energizing it, rather than actually having it be completely gone and removed from the neurology, it actually, in a way, strengthens it. Maybe the charge gets taken off of it, but it never gets totally resolved. When you say it strengthens it, what do you mean by it? By, by talking about it, by continuing to focus on it, by going down into it, by being in the event. By and identifying and attaching to it. Yeah, by processing. I am it a traumatized way. person. Yeah. I am this. Or, I am that. Or being, yeah. So, okay. So my, if, if like I had this, if, if, for example, if we have a client who was sexually molested or traumatized, we've worked with many cases of this and, and that someone continues trying to work on that by going into the memories of the trauma, by associating into them, trying to process that. Our idea is, is that that can strengthen the relationship to it, right? And, and so that's content focused. We don't, the structure of magic actually implies we have no concern with content, hmm. no concern with content. Not that we, and we're not, it's not that we're not compassionate and loving yeah. and empathic. You're not spiritually bypassing. Yeah, no, no, no. But we, we actually, our, our, our focus and our perception is different. That if we can get rid of the structure, then the content can't stay. So if we can take someone in a process that enables them to get at what the event was there for, what was the unconscious? Now, here's where it gets a little bit sketchy for people. But if you can get someone to actually accept this idea that at some unconscious level, they chose the event to happen for a higher purpose, hmm. then what happens is they reclaim all their power. And in reclamation of said power, what happens is their unconscious mind gives them learnings powerful, positive, transformational learnings about that event. I've had a client who literally was, the things that were done to this young woman were atrocious. I won't go into details on the podcast, but you can just think of atrocious things being done to a young person, 10, 11 years old. And such that she had developed trichotilla mania that the she picked all her hair out like all her eyebrow hair her head hair she picked her hair out she was had a, a disorder as a result of it she carried so much trauma and she was in her 20s and and couldn't function in life right like didn't interact with people well was devastated but through the process of doing this work with her, we were able to go into three massive traumatic events, massive traumatic events that were 
awful events. Mm. They're truly like me sitting there as a coach with her, wanted to cry, but had to keep it in because yeah. I didn't want to like strengthen that for her. Right. Yeah. So I showed her compassion and love, but it's like, I still had to help her get through it. And literally under 15 minutes in each intervention for all three of those, she was able to completely let go of all negative emotion, all negative association in all three events get powerful learnings from those events and be able to literally float down inside the memory of the events that were severely traumatizing prior to doing the work, able to look through her own eyes, able to be in the event, the actual memory of what was done to her and have zero ab reaction, zero ab reaction. And we never talked about what happened in the event at all. But because we had done so much work in the pregame, if you will, the setup, the preparation, and getting her to a place to where she was willing to accept the idea that at some level, unconsciously, she chose it. This is so important because this, this will raise hackles in people, and I get that. I've been yeah. doing this a long time. I got a question for you when you're done. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I, and this is not, yeah. of course, I'm not doing this to raise people's hackles, although I know it does because it's like some people have been hurt so badly. They're like, there's no way I would ever have chosen that. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So here's what we say. We've never chosen it consciously. But if you will just accept the idea that possibly you chose it unconsciously for a higher purpose, then just that, remember you said over there earlier that, that we were talking about it earlier before about the placebo effect of things, right? Yeah. The effect on our perception, on our psychology, on our neurology, on our state, on our beingness, when we will try that on, it's unbelievable what becomes available to us from a resourcefulness perspective. Remember, there are unresourceful people, only unresourceful states. Yeah. So think about how one res how resourceful one could come if they're willing to go, yeah, what was done to me was the worst shit imaginable. It's horrible. Yeah. But if I'm willing to accept for the purpose of freedom, for the purpose of healing, for the purpose of transcendence, for the purpose of evolution, if I'm willing to accept that that I chose this unconsciously for a higher purpose then is it worth accepting that idea to be free? Man's search for meaning. If Viktor Frankl could go through what he went through in Auschwitz and come out and do what he's done for the world as a result of that, then my thing is, no matter what's happened to me, that didn't happen to me. Yeah. And if that dude could do that, then I can do anything. I think the big question that everyone's feeling and that I'm feeling too comes from, I'm aware enough to know that it comes from the paradigm of healing has to be long, healing has to be hard. So my question mm -hmm. is both <laughs> respectful and also practical mm -hmm. because there's a part of me that understands that every single thing I've done and that you've ever done and that any of us have done to get us to right here right now was absolutely perfect. Otherwise it wouldn't have happened. It had to step and stage that way. Yeah. But we arrive at this place where, and maybe maybe this is a second question on top of it, NLP and timeline therapy and specifically making the event neutral and going in there and having the skill set to do that. Somebody has to have walked a certain type of journey to arrive at that kind of a healing platform. What is the exact journey that somebody has to have walked to get there? Because the big question is, if it's so easy, then why isn't it everyone in the world that's doing it? Why isn't NLP on Oprah, or maybe it has been, or, you know, whatever. Like, in other words, it brings up people's healthy skepticism of, oh, dude, 15 minutes to heal trauma seems too good to be true, mm -hmm. quote, quote. 
So what kind of a journey does somebody have to, to experience and, and what kind of tools and teachers do they have to have played with or experienced before they're actually ready for NLP? Because the choice is empowerment and the empowerment comes from the choice to choose. This happened for me or against me. I think we all get that on like an intellectual level, sure. but on a heart body-based somatic experience, this happened for me can be so fucking revealing, so fucking hard to accept. Agreed. Well, you know, there's no one path, right? Because everybody's path is interesting and unique to them. Um, my path was my path. Uh, we've seen over the years, many of our graduates have come through who are using NLP in this work in the world in different ways. Mm. Many of them are using it for healing others, right? Especially when, when incorporating timeline therapy in. And, and in every one of those paths, there's some subjective experiential suffering and calamity and pain that's happened. Yeah. Because I think everybody has their own. And, but it, it, it really speaks to someone's values, right? This, this is an interesting conversation because what's values are what they're, what's important to us, what drives us, what we get motivated behind. I mean, you have somewhere probably in your hierarchy of values in life, I would imagine service exists in there. That's part of why you do what you do. Yes, because there's a part of me that knows by serving other people, I'm actually healing myself. There you go. That's right? why. So you value healing. Absolutely. You value growth. You value, yeah, yeah, yeah right? So one of my biggest That's why values, we're friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? That, and and yeah. one of my biggest values is evolution of consciousness on the planet, mm -hmm. right? Like it's evolution, but then that's not just about me. It's about everybody because we're all connected. So, um, you know, my path is mine. Uh, I've spent 20 years on this path and I spent 20 years in, in, in growth and also a lot of suffering. And when I got to the place to where I accepted the ideas that if I, I mean, how many times have you heard the, I mean, Wayne Dyer said it, but it even comes from way before Dr. Wayne, right? Like if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Guess what? It actually is that simple. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the question though. How do you change the way you look at things? If one doesn't know how to change the way they look at things, then it's an idea. It's a concept up here, but it's not translated, like you said, to the heart and the body. One needs a, a process. See, in NLP, for example, there's nothing new in NLP. Nothing comes from NLP. All of NLP was built by the process of what's called modeling, Bandler and Grinder. I mean, that book, Structured Magic, is all about the modeling of Dr. Virginia Satir, who was one of the most brilliant family therapists in the history of the world. Mm. And, and it was, you know, basically Bandler's distillation of his experience with her. But what these guys did was they, they went out and they found these people who were so excellent. Fritz Perls, Dr. Milton Erickson, Virginia Satir, and others who were so excellent at producing results with their clients that they said, what is it that's essential to what these people are doing that's creating such incredible results? And how can we distill that into process, create a technique with it, and then teach it to others so they can produce results? And so it, it, it gets into when we understand that change can be structural, because you said something very important a minute ago. You said healing has to be hard. Healing has to be long. Well, my question to you then, who says because we've all believed that in some way, I believe. We, we've, because something along the way or some things have conditioned us to believe that. The healing does have to be longer. It does have to be hard. Well, what if we change the way we related to that belief? Change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. 
what if we believe that healing could be fast? What if we believe that healing could be easy? What if we believe that healing is possible? What if we believe that healing is, could be gentle? What happens then if we accepted that belief? And so my values as a man, who I am in the world right now, I, I don't teach the work I do because I want to teach people how to sell more. I could, mm-hmm. but it's not in my values anymore, right? I don't, like I could teach, hey, I can teach you how to use language in such a way that you can go out and you can sell and you can communicate and you can produce results. You can teach or present in a way that will just be excellent. I try and teach you all that. And, and we will teach you those things. And if that's your values and that's what you want, then that's what you'll get out of it. But if you come to me and you go, hey, I want to learn because I want to evolve my consciousness, because I want to be a more expanded being, because I want to heal and grow and expand and help others and serve others, then guess what? Because that's what you focus on. That's what you're going to get, because that's that's really aligned with who I am mm-hmm. and who Joni is. That's what we teach, right? That's what we share. So we, but the perception is projection, which is, a, I've talked to you about this a mm-hmm. lot, right? Privately, this comes from Carl Jung's work. We perceive outside of us what we perceive outside of us is a projection of what's inside of us. You know, Pentangeli said it in Yoga Sutras. He said, I go out every day and I look for the divine in everyone. Reason was he could see the divine within himself. So the, the more I can get at what's unconscious within me that limits me, my own wounds, my own limiting beliefs about myself, the, the more I, where I feel unworthy or not good enough or, have shame and guilt, remorse, regret about things in my past. See, if those things are in me unresolved, then I project them onto other people and situations in my life because I think we talked about the smoky mirror metaphor from the beginning of the four agreements. Yes, the Toltec wisdom. Yeah, the Toltec Mm -hmm. wisdom, right? Like it's everything, you're just a mirror reflecting back to me, me, Josh. And I'm a mirror reflecting you back to you. Let me challenge you on that because sometimes in life there are just assholes, right? (laughs) Sometimes there's just people that you meet like at a Starbucks or Mm -hmm. something and they're just a real fucking jerk, Mm -hmm. right? Now, would you always say that in every single circumstance, we are attracting exactly what we need to bring up our trigger so that it's our ultimate teacher? Okay. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, but Carl Jung would say that. Okay. Carl Jung would say that. He said we marry our unconscious minds, right? He, he said we, the, the person that causes us the most visceral reaction, the person we have the most reactivity towards or judgment towards is the person that's reflecting back to us what's most unconscious within us, the thing that's most deeply repressed. Now, I'm not saying that. Carl Jung would say that. I'm saying there's a choice here. And that choice is probably like a spectrum. It's not just dichotomous. Got it. But if I give you the dichotomy of it, like the two sides of the spectrum, yeah, you could say, okay, there's the Carl Jungian side, which is pretty extreme, sure. But this asshole, if you will, is just me reflected back to me. And some people are like, there's no way I'll accept that. And I've had plenty of people say, there's no way I'll accept that. And, I, and I'm cool. That's totally good. You don't have to accept that. Yeah. Yet, what if... If this is the more digestible, easy to kind of get your hand around side, what if the what if the the reflection back or what if the projection, if you will, is just showing you something that's unresolved within you? Maybe it's a wound. Maybe it's a relationship to your dad, to a former lover, to someone that broke your heart. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it's a reflection of something that still needs to be resolved within you. He's like, yeah, that person who's being a total jerk at the Starbucks, that's not me. I don't treat people that way. But maybe 20 years ago, I was that way. Maybe I used to treat people exactly like that when I was a young man. Mm-hmm. And I was 19 years old and I was a complete prick. Maybe that's exactly who I used to be. And maybe I've never fully made peace with that's who I used to be. And I've just rejected and repressed that that's who I was. And maybe that's showing up that way to show me that I need to make peace with that and forgive myself and let go of that and honor that that was a part of my journey. Well, I feel like I'm having an NLP experience right now, <laughs> just sitting here with you. So I, 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 I know that you've heard this and we've all heard this a thousand times. I'm going to say it, right? You are the sum of the five closest people that you associate with. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, man, you know, everything that I tell myself is a story. I don't care if it's like this water is tasty, this water is structured, this table is awesome, you're loving. It's the way I make the faculty and the way I, I make my decisions that exist in my my brain is the sum total of all my life experiences, my conditioning, and my hardware and software. So there's a lot that comes into me formulating my decisions and opinions about mm-hmm. you, Scott, mm-hmm. uh, and, and all of us can relate to this, right? For sure. Instead of using my mind to try to figure out why the structure of magic exists and why things are the way they are, it's actually, I feel like it's, it's this beautiful deep breath of going to the other side of the question mm. and saying, okay, instead of why are these things happening and what does it mean? And, you know, this search for knowledge and wisdom that I've been on my whole life, it's more like, okay, well, what does God want? What does love want in this situation? Because that's ultimately the peace that is going to fill my whole body. Like I get chills just, just speaking to you about it. Like yeah. it, it's fleeting for me. It comes at times, this feeling of God's presence, this feeling of true love. And, and it is fleeting. I think the reason it's fleeting is because I have a very strong intellectual mind mm-hmm. and maybe y'all can relate to this, right? <laughs> we're here on planet earth. Yeah. So we're, we're half beast, half spirit. Mm-hmm. How do you meet people where they are? In other words, I, I know you can't go through the whole training right now, sure. but how do you meet people where they are when you notice that someone is very heady, very intellectual? What's a starting place for starting to do the timeline therapy and the NLP integration at that point? Well, people, that's a great question. I, you know, one of the foundational beliefs we also have is respect everyone's model of the world. Mm. And, and so, and, and we, now that's uh, easier said than done. Uh, Especially if your model's communism or something. Sure. That's that's hard. What if you could respect it? Now, respect does not mean agree with it, right? You gotta, you gotta Uh make the distinction. uh Yeah. But, But like, if, if you, if, if one can respect someone's model of the world that like, let's say you showed up and you're a communist or racist or a bigot or whatever. And you were touting those colors, right? In the way you were being and expressing yourself. Can I respect that that's your model of the world? It's not mine, but through your conditioning, through your programming, through your life experience, that's what you have become so far. What's possible if I can respect that your model of the world in communication, in conversation? What becomes possible? Surrender, peace, uh, anonymity, equanimity. All those are true. All the things. Also, you know yeah. what else becomes a possible? Rapport and effective communication. No doubt. Rapport and effective communication. So if, if I can respect someone's model of the world and where they are, and, and this has been, trust me, because I've had people from all different 
thinkings come into trainings. I mean, and sometimes it's not easy. You know, I have to constantly, because perception is projection, so I'll project what I'm not ready to deal with yet or haven't dealt with yet as a student or mm. as a situation, right? And, and But if I can go back to that fundamental that, okay, I'm going to respect this person's model of the world, and how can I be an effective communicator such that I can get inside the model of the world with this person such that I can help them to change? Because they're here because they want to change. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be here if they didn't want to change. Mm-hmm. Something about them wanted to change. So that's my work to become more flexible. And, and that's, um, so whether somebody is like you, very heady and what we would say in LP is AD, auditory digital. Can, once, you, can you go into that? Auditory digital? What do you mean by that? Okay. Logical so, mind only? No, no, no. So we, 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 so, you know, the, we all have five senses. If we have all our sensory faculties, we have five senses, right? So that's visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, gustatory. All data comes in through the five senses. Everything we represent, it comes in and it's represented through all of our unconscious filters, which is all subconscious. It affects our physiology. It affects our emotional state and that outputs behavior. Hmm. Auditory digital is what we would call the sixth sense, but not the sixth sense in like a spiritual sense. Sixth sense from a representational perspective, from a, uh, a, a sensory perspective. And AD means our self-talk. It's the words we use to label our experience that come through the five senses. Many people who are very heady and very intellectual in their mind, and they stay kind of in the conscious mind, oftentimes on a representational system test, will test as auditory digital as their primary way of representing information. So they will be, they won't be as connected to their visual or their kinesthetic or even in their body sometimes. Sometimes they're even highly dissociated from their body, right? So what? This is very common, especially in today's world. More common than it's ever been, actually, because of uh, digital devices, right? Because we've become so foveal in our focus and digital devices and we've narrowed our focus down into small screens. Yep which has changed drastically over the 20 years, past 20 years. The amount of data coming at us per second has ex- increased exponentially uh, per second over the past 20 and, years. And the collective attention span is now less than a goldfish, it, it, which it, we'll link that in the show notes. Like, it wasn't just Time Magazine. I mean, that's happening on a grand scale. It is. It is. And and so it, you're you're right. You're 100% correct. And so the... But, but, our, but again, see, I have a belief that I can help anyone who wants to change. And so, I, and I, I, I'm congruent in that. And, and so that's how I show up. And that's like my laser intention, my projection, if you will, that shows up. So I, I may get someone in our Chinese, like we had in the last Rewire event we did, like we had this gentleman who was an engineer, an incredible, incredible human, right? But like super heady, like in his mind, like question, 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 question. And, and, he had one of the massive transformations of the event because I just kept going inside his model of the world, answering his questions such that he got the learnings he needed. And, and he began to cultivate a relationship with his unconscious mind in the event, which he had never done. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, I hold that belief that I can help anyone who's willing to do this work and accept these ideas that we propose. Right now, if you said earlier, like what you were talking about, it's like, you know, you make the table mean what it means. You make the glass mean what it means. Well, if this yeah. is true, then we're all just making meaning out of everything in life. What if it all is really doesn't have any meaning? What if it's all neutral? 
And what if the meaning comes from us projected onto it? And so when that, if that is the case, then what kind of power do we personally have when we change the way we think? I'm literally visualizing right now when Neo in the Matrix held his hand up to the bullets and he didn't do it from anger or reaction. He just simply went, no. Yeah. And all the bullets fell. And that's when that's he got the power it. that we have. You got it. And that, and that's the moment where he'd what? Accepted that he was the one. And we're all the one. We are all the one. You it, got it. It's, I got it's, chills all over me, because this is it. Full dude. body chill. Like so my one whole of the greatest metaphors, right you just brought up one of the greatest metaphors around this there is. Man, I it. love that you got it. Because that's exactly it. When Neo accepted yeah. what everybody had been telling him around him, that he was the one. When he let go of all of his doubts and he stepped fully into, I'm the one, what happened? He became the one. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you brought up Young. I haven't studied it as deeply as you have, but there's one quote from Young that has hit me so hard throughout my life and I haven't said it in quite a while. So it is until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll run your life and you'll call it fate. There you go. And that actually is the entire construct that I think we create for ourselves mm -hmm. as human beings, yeah. where I learned it from mom and dad. I learned it from grandparents. I learned it from society. I learned it from fill in the blank. It doesn't matter where the learning came from, but that is really what we're rewiring. We're rewiring this it has to be hard. It has to be a certain way. Well, what if the only reason that you need a training or a teaching or wisdom in the first place is because you don't know how simplistic it could be? Now, simple doesn't always mean easy. Sometimes, I'm agreed. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when something's easy, like, oh yeah, you walk over and you flick a light switch. Well, the journey to get to the light switch can be a motherfucker, <laughs> right? It can be yeah. really, really it can be like a climb up Everest to get there, it right? It can be really <laughs> confronting. So... So unpack that a little bit, like the, cause you talked about this, um, and I want to go into this, the subconscious conscious mind integration. This is where you say without it, people will self-sabotage goals and dreams as well as the traumas and phobias that come up in that process. So let, let's talk about the subconscious conscious mind integration. Integration, I think of like whole or, or even in young that I quoted to you, like, okay, well, if I know the unconscious, then that is what is going to be consciously acted out in the world. Sure. So let's talk about the integration of these things and how that comes together with, I mean, it's a perfect name, rewiring. It's such a great name. It's a beautiful name. Let's, let's expand that a little bit, this, this integration piece. Well, great question. And I love you brought, brought up Jung's quote. You know, he also has another good one. He, he said, um, who, who looks out dreams? Who looks in awakens? Who looks out dreams? Looking in's a little harder. Yeah, well. But I love that. <laughs> so good. So yeah, true. It's really good, right? Yeah. So conscious, unconscious integration. First, we got to accept the idea that we do have an unconscious mind and begin to understand what are the prime directives and the, the drivers of the unconscious mind. What is it here to serve? The conscious, they, these are both very important minds, both very important aspects of mind, but they have very different purposes. And, and so generally speaking, what I notice, and this is a general statement, so this is probably not for many people in your audience because you have so many people committed to their wellness and their growth and their evolution, but let's just speak generally. Yeah. Generally, you, you have kind of two camps of people. People who have no awareness, they have an unconscious mind. They think they are their conscious mind, their identity, their past, their history, all their conscious thoughts. That's just who they are. And that's just their life. And, and then other one is that people who really 
are kind of going through life, knee jerk reacting to life, things triggering them all the time from the outside. Yeah. And there's knee jerk reaction from what's unconscious. And that's so, the far majority, man. It is. I, I, I'm going to say, generally speaking, it is. Generally. Right? Generally speaking. And it is a generalized statement. So I just want to stress that to yeah. the audience, right? But that's what I noticed. So since we have so many people that fit into that those that kind of broad category, we, we've got to introduce these ideas around the distinction between the conscious mind, what it's here to serve and what it does, and then the, the mass of the iceberg below the surface and how important it is to our life. How important it is to our behaviors, our results, our relationships, our goals, our dreams, our wishes, those being manifest or those being not fulfilled. And understanding that in, in creating integration or rapport with self, first, we've got to distinguish that they are out of rapport, that, that these parts of ourselves are in conflict or are not integrated or disintegrated. Mm-hmm. And so when we can introduce those ideas and someone's willing to try that on and accept it, then we can go into an event like Rewire and we can introduce these concepts. And then someone, and, and we can also introduce a couple of strategies for how to actually begin to build rapport right out of the gate with the unconscious mind and start trusting and relating to the unconscious mind right from the outset in the event such that all of a sudden the unconscious mind starts operating in a way that consciously we have awareness of. See, this is the beginning of integration. Now it's very, very beginning. But to have awareness consciously that, oh, here's something that's coming up. I feel it. I experience it. I notice it. Oh, I just, you asked me this question, Scott, and I just got a memory of a picture of my dad when he looked at me when I was four years old. And I realized that right then, I decided I wasn't smart enough. Well, where did that come from? It didn't come from your conscious mind. It came from your unconscious, right? So uh, these things start happening so fast when people accept these ideas that all of a sudden the conscious mind starts to go, oh, something's happening. And it starts to begin to build trust. I got to ask you this. How much does it matter if you know why something happened or, or what's the meaning of something happened versus accepting that things are neutral? Is it important to at least have some kind of frame of why things occurred, how they occurred, for what purpose they occurred? Or is it literally just blinders on, I'm focused on creating this story for my life and the event was neutral? What, how do you hold both? Well, I, I don't, so it's a good question. I don't, um, for, for one thing, I never ask anyone the question why huh? about anything ever. That's very intentional use of language by me. Typically, when you ask someone why, the the question of why begets more reasons and excuses that strengthen the reality of the problem, whatever that is. So I don't go at why. I ask questions like, for what purpose? What did you choose to create this for? What was the purpose of this? What could this have served? What could it be serving? What is still meant to be served from it. So just in getting people to try on those questions around things causes a loosening. Remember the loosening of the grip? Yeah. It loosens the grip. And so when people start loosening the grip, then all of a sudden, guess what happens? The unconscious mind starts popping things up. See, if we're so gripped on something tight, then it's like, you know, like, can, can you put anything in a closed fist? You can't. But the universe can infinitely supply an open hand, but it can't fill a closed fist. So as we begin to open up, then, then, 
wisdom starts popping up. I, I believe, like I always say to everyone, I teach all of our students this, like your client's unconscious mind is the most important unconscious mind in the room for them. See, if, I'm, if you and I were working together privately, it's not what I believe. You're going to be best well served by trusting what comes from your unconscious mind. So my job is to create a container and create the ideas and the concepts and the belief systems and share with them for you, with, with you in a way that hopefully you'll accept them or try them on such that your unconscious mind starts to give you learnings and new awarenesses and new, just like has happened with you and I just in our conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, I've kind of been doing this with you in whatever way I've been doing it. I've introduced new ideas and concepts through the course of our friendship that sometimes all of a sudden has you think about something in a new way and you go, whoa, that's different. Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, that comes from within you, not from me. Mm -hmm. And so when we can create that opportunity for people and they start having palpable experiences of their unconscious mind doing exactly what I tell them it's going to do, guess what they start to do? They start to trust a little bit. That's the beginning of the integration process. Now, but it's, here's the thing, the, the, in my experience, the integration of, of self, it's not a light switch. No. It's not like, you know, it's a process. You know, like if, if we could do one four-day event or seven-day event or 10-day event and that solved everything, then that would be great. But that's not the way it works. We, we can do massive transformational change rapidly. We've proven that over and over and over again. And then you know what? The, chop the wood, carry the water. There's work that you must do in life to focus on what you want and to take action towards what you want. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you come into our event in one of our events and you have a massive transformation, but you're in an abusive relationship with an abusive partner and you go back home and that partner continues to be abusive and you stay in a container and environment that vibrates at that level, then what do you think is going to happen? Someone's going to revert back. Yeah, the old the, the the changes that happened are literally going to physiologically change back to what they were hardwired as before. So right. the rewiring essentially, or they're going to fire stick. new negative and 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 disempowering installations from it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like there are things that we got to change. If you're going to do change in life, then you got to be willing to look around your life and go, "What am I willing to change?" Yeah. You know, how willing am I to change? How willing am I to focus on what I want, to take action towards what I want in life and to start filtering out all the things that are not that? And sometimes that means changing relationships, jobs, environments, homes, cities, communities. Which is essentially the probably the greatest fear in anyone that is keeping that iceberg buried and it not is. being able to be seen. And I think about the, the fear of the false evidence appearing real. It only appears real because if it was met, the ego thinks that it's going to be so intense and so painful to actually take an honest look at what's there. Like yeah. that's the key, right? An honest look at what's yeah. there that yeah. it'll circumvent and do everything possible, coping strategies, addictions, whatever, sure. so that that truth, that ultimate truth doesn't have to be looked at, doesn't have to be seen. So I could totally see when someone's done with an incredible training, and I've seen this with people that go to Tony Robbins and get all hyped up, they're yep. put in state, they come home and it's kind of like business as usual. How do you work with people so that when they leave the event, mm -hmm. that a lot of this change 
maybe not perfectly, but a majority, a, a majority of change that's occurred sticks when they're at home. Is there practices? Is there? There are. Because I think where this question comes from is it's like, okay, well, what's the guarantee, <laughs> right? Sure. Which is actually the opposite of trust. Mm -hmm. So, well, the, here, here's the thing. I've always this is is fantastic. Um, and, and one thing about you know we have people go, what's the guarantee? For the event. I just feel like there ain't no guarantee for anything. Well, here's else. the thing I tell people and I tell them straight up. I go, they go, is there no a money guarantee. back guarantee for the event? And I go, no, there's not. And I go, here's the thing. If you're coming into the event wanting a money back guarantee, then you probably shouldn't come to the event. Yeah. Because you've already got a reservation as to why it's not going to work. You've already created a back door. You've already created a back door and people with back doors always take back doors. So if your dreams and your hopes and your aspirations or wishes are big enough, then guess who's going to have to go create them? You. And are you willing to do whatever it takes to have that happen? And if you are, then good. We got you. And if you're not, we also love you. You know, but like this probably isn't for you because if you got a back door, then you're going to take the back door. Yeah. But I would rather you close the back door, board that fucker up, be done with it. And let's put on the armor. Let's move forward. You know, because what you want, the light, look. I, what I've always got a North star, you know, what I want is in, in, if you look around me, like if you imagine a bubble around me, that bubble would be like my comfort zone. Whatever my North star is in life is outside of the comfort zone. And so I've got to be willing to go beyond the boundaries of the comfort zone. Yeah. And, and, and what we teach actually gives individuals a set of tools and skills See, many events, like you mentioned a name a minute ago, I won't go there, but there's plenty of events out there that are pump-up events that create incredible state change. Yeah. But they don't give the legacy tools needed to continue to produce ongoing effective change that one can do for themselves. There can be reliance created upon people rather than on self. And so, and I'm not a big supporter in that just because I would rather... I believe there, we all have an, an incredible amount. I think, see, Josh, I think the same amount of God's in me that's in you. And, and so if I can give you every tool I can to help you get access to that, and if I can get as many tools from others as I can to access that, then I'm the better, right? And, and so I don't want to have to rely on someone else for me to be well. Mm -hmm. I, I want to get the teachings and the help and the guidance from people, but ultimately I want to be the, the master of my own fate, the master of my own destiny. And, and I want to have the, the tools and the skills and the resources to be able to push beyond the boundaries of what's comfortable and keep moving towards my North star. Well, listen, I'm making the decision right here, right now. Like I'm going. Yeah, so no, if, you you, if you guys want to join me, then <laughs> tap the link right below. This okay. is actually a really special show. Like we knew that the event was coming up and I was like, okay, let's get this out so that people that feel inspired want to go. I had no idea. I, this is the truth. I thought about it and I was like, ah, eh, timing won't work out. I, I was making up some stories. And now when I really feel into it with, with over the past two weeks, what's gone on with retrograde and just like, I never really took that stuff too seriously, but yeah. I have really felt it. I have really felt it. And I'm, I'm noticing that my spiral is like things healed and they come back around to be healed again. And in that spiral, I know in my deepest heart, what is wanting to be healed is this wound with my, specifically my father. Yeah. And then also just loving acceptance for my mom. And I think it's easy for me to intellectualize that I've had that healing. Yeah. But 
when I create a belief that truly is they did the best they could based on my grandparents, I think that's been an intellectual thing for me for yeah. quite some time. But to actually have that belief live inside of my physical structure, my body, mm -hmm. that's what I'm seeking. Good. So if y'all are seeking that, come join me, joshtrent.com forward slash rewire, um, October 27th. 27th through the 30th here in Austin. Through yeah. the 30th. Yeah. And I can't let you go unless we talk about the mystery because the mystery of God, higher intelligence, high intelligence source, whatever you want to call it, man, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It's this creator that brought everything to this world, including you and I. Yeah. And it's cool. Like at this table, there's, there's a couple empty seats, right? Well, one of them's for God. So there's it. a seat next to you and I both for God, for mystery. Mm. How do you honor the mystery in your own life and in NLP and in the trainings that you do? Because a lot of these things, there can be such a certainty about, well, meaning is whatever I make and the story is whatever I say it is. There can also be a paradox in that where it could be mental as well. How do you leave space for God and all of this, for mystery and all of this? And even in your own life experience? Well, how do I leave space for it? I, you know, or how do you, you choose the space? How do you choose that space? You know, it's another, it's a, I guess it's a belief. I, it's like, you know, you ever heard the, the, the story about the two fish, the, the two fish passed by each other in the ocean and, and one fish asked the fish, he says, how's the water? Yeah. And he goes, what water? Right. What water? And, and so the mystery is what we exist in. I think we're all in that all the time. And so the, you know what I mean? Like I'm the, the space, the ether is that presence is yeah. God. And so this conversation is happening in the ocean. This, this idea of, of mental and emotional body transformation is contained within the ocean. And if you don't get the metaphor, the ocean is the spirit, right? It's, it's the everything, it's the, the God, the presence. And, and that's a, a, I've cultivated that relationship to God. And, and, and so, you know, it started very simply for me years ago, uh, but through my own experience of exploration around the nature of myself, the nature of suffering, the nature of attachment, the, the nature of what was false versus what was real. Um, most of what I thought was real is just falling away into illusion. And it, it's all just, and even maybe this whole thing is, man, I know I'm getting out there pretty philosophically right now, but if, if, if I do, if we do exist in this realm of the spirit, um, then it's just, that is the mystery. And, and so that's how I hold it, that we are held in, in like the heart of God. And my, my work over the past seven years has been in a real focus around helping people change the way they think and, and the, the way their emotions have owned them from the past or their limiting beliefs and limiting decisions. Because my belief is, is like you, you mentioned the spiral, right? Yeah. Like the, the more we can ascend up this spiral, if you think about a three-dimensional spiral, the, the, it also expands. And that expansion is into an ever greater relationship with the source and so that's a fundamental belief that I have. The more that I can be free of the, the limitations, the bondage of my past, the, the bondage of self-defeating behaviors and patterns, uh, the, the closer I become. Now, I'm always in the water, but the more I experience the water. Right? And, and so that's, 
that's my relationship. And so then I, I, through meditation or through plant medicine or through different healing and, and native and red road ceremonies, right? I have deeper and richer experiences in those places, right? And that, that expand my relationship to spirit and, and a conscious awareness. Because you mentioned that earlier. You mentioned talking about, like, sometimes I feel love and I'm in it. And then it's like, it's gone. There's this right. egoic, and it's I almost think like a lot. A, it's an egoic resurgence, right? Like we yes, forget. Exactly. It's, it's an, an egoic resurgence. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah, that's what it's I call it. It's an egoic resurgence. It is. It is. That's what it is. That's what exactly that's what it what, is. That's the, the sabotage loot that yeah. comes back around and yeah. says, no, what you're experiencing about your story actually isn't true. It's this old stuff. And then we choose to believe it. Yep. We fall asleep. We fall asleep. And, and, and we get in the, 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 the Maya of it, right? The Maya mm. of it. We get lost in it. Yeah. And then something happens and we go, oh, that's, hold on. I'm in it again. Back to the now, back to present moment, back to the breath, back, back into the body, into the heart, into love. You know, you talked about five emotions earlier, right? Like metaphysically, in the metaphysical conversation around emotion, and we talk about this in timeline therapy, we talk about three different reasons why the emotions disappear. I'll just mention one of them now. The metaphysical reason is that metaphysically we believe that there's only one emotion and that emotion is a love. Mm. Now that is also divine. All positive emotions are derivatives of love. So happiness, joy, elation, ecstaticism, whatever, all are derivatives of that one true emotion, which is love. And then all negative emotions are derivatives of fear. But because there's only love, this is the metaphysical reason, fear is an illusion. So we're able to let go when we go back into the past in timeline therapy and let go of negative emotions at their root cause, the genesis of where they started or a, a limiting belief or limiting decision or either a trauma or a phobia, wherever that root cause genesis event is because of this idea that there is only love and everything else is an illusion, we're able to release completely all the illusion and then it no longer exists within us from the past. Now, does mm -hmm. that mean we won't feel it going forward? Of course we will, because we're sentient beings. We have the ability, there's wisdom in our emotions, right? Like, trust me, if you and I are out and we're hiking in the mountains, like we're, you know, if we're up at the ranch in Montana and we're hiking and, and we had a, we're in a grizzly bear habitat, right? Like, trust me, if a grizzly bear runs out on the trail, I'm going to feel some fear. Yeah. You follow me? Like You're that's not going to be in nirvana. That's a healthy yeah. um, negative emotion. Sure, my, sure, sure. my nervous system is giving me a, a, a rational response yeah. to a situation such that I can preserve myself and my life, right? But like, if, if I'm gripped by the illusion of fear and running through life every day, scared, scared of not having enough money or scared of my, my partner leaving me or scared of the market crashing and me scared of me losing things or scared of the government or, you know, like, yeah. come on, man. You know, what's interesting to me is this whole conversation, people could say anything about MITT, transformational training, NLP, fill sure. in the blank, sure. that it's quote, brainwashing. And you know what I would say? I would say, yes, it is. <laughs> Maybe we need to have our brains washed sometimes, right? <laughs> but, you know, with, with whatever wisdom I've accumulated to this point, I, I would return like the question. I would say, well, what do you think we're living in? We're living in a cosmic washing machine we, where we're bumping into everyone metaphor. else's beliefs and experiences. And we're being transmitted on and imprinted by yes. our parents and our grandparents. And I, I was, when you were talking Brother, I was feeling literally Gene Trent, my dad's grand, my dad's father, my grandfather. I don't know my great greats. I don't know anything about them, but I could imagine, I could imagine mm -hmm. how challenging that must have been for him growing up in Wyoming with holes in his shoes, yeah. 
to coming to California, to raising my father where his, ha- his skin had psoriasis and his skin peeled off, to then how my dad showed up to me and really feeling like the, the compassion for what he went through in this yeah. world. Like, I don't know what any of the struggles of my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, I don't know what any of their struggles truly were because I wasn't them. All I know is the imprinting and really the kind of rumination and the continuation of that trauma is what was projected onto me. And so like we talked about the one, we talked about Neo. I feel like you are the one for your lineage. And I feel like I am the one too. And I don't say that from my ego. I'm not like, I'm here to help help my family heal. It's not about that. I don't give a fuck about adulation. I've never wanted to be famous. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Good for you. All I want is to live my life well. Yeah. That's been the question since 2015. So this this conversation of like real understanding of brainwashing, I would say, yeah. And I'm curious how you feel about brainwashing. Like everyone's brainwashing each other at all times. The computer, the phone, everything is brainwashing. And, and, and also as a juxtaposition, I almost feel like when something's really pure, like God's love or training that can really move your physical body towards loving yourself and identifying in the world in a new way, like the rewire, it, it, it meets such major resistance up front because all the other stories and all the other things in the cosmic washing machine are like, whoa, if you believe that, then we don't exist anymore. There you go. We can't get at you anymore. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious how you feel about that. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's um, incredible what you just shared. And I, I love the metaphor of the cosmic washing machine, man. Like, I think that's <laughs> super, dude. I love it. I'm going to use that. It's use really it. Good. It's really good. Yeah. And uh, if, and I love that you brought in I'm gonna come back to what you said about your your lineage because yeah. it's so good, man. Um, the if we are all products of our conditioning and our programming, then that's all brainwashing. I agree with you 100. percent So, it, and it doesn't mean that we have to give up everything that we we think we know or we're conditioned with. But if 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 one was to choose to look around their life and go, is my health the way I want it? Is my money the way I want it? Is my relationship the way I want it? Is my spiritual connection the way I want it? Is is every area of my life working perfectly and just what I want, right? And, and I've never met anybody that says yes to that. Right? Yeah. You know, so it's like, well, when you look at the things that aren't working or, or the things, the struggles one has or the challenges they have in relationship with themselves and with others, then isn't it worth even the the expiration of of being willing to change the way one thinks to to create some washing of old ideas yeah and maybe replacing them with new ones that create new reality you asked in the beginning of this what what is nlp i gave a metaphor of you know, so a user manual for your mind but i'm going to give you something else now the, the here's what we really realized and what i realized was that the words we use don't describe our experience. They determine our reality. And if the words we use determine our reality, then maybe we should look at our reality. And if it isn't what we want it to be, then maybe we should be willing to go on a hunt to find out what's unconscious that's creating the reality we don't want such that we can change it and create the reality we do want. 
And, and so that's, and really that's what the past 20 years of the work I've done, everything I've done has been focused on that and on creating new reality and, and through all these different ways. And what I've found over NLP is just a label of something, right? It, it is, but it's, it, for me, it's back to that value of the evolution of consciousness. It, it, it's enabled me a, a particular way to support myself and my fiance, Joni, and all the people we get to work with in evolving their consciousness, which is in essence, the clearing out, the cleansing of some old ways of thinking yeah. and the adoption and integration and installation of new ways of thinking that produce new results and a happier, more joyous, expansive loving life. And that's why I don't personally get behind like many causes, like for changing the world. Yeah. My thinking is if we can change the way the world thinks and help people resolve their pasts such that they have some peace and happiness and joy and they give up their pain, then what better way to change the world? When people hear something like that, it sticks to their spinal column. Like there are certain things that it's not even about the words you just said. It's mm -hmm. wherever the, wherever inside of you that they came from Yeah, that that's what I think people are doing with podcasting. Now it's been my mission since day one. Like how do we have these longer conversations that are actually meaningful where occasionally, and there's been many times up in here yeah. with you, people say something, they share wisdom and it's so profound that the words vibrate inside of your body and they stick to your soul. And, and you shared a lot of things like that. Mm -hmm. And, and I almost feel like that when you mentioned evolution, I'm like, okay, inside of evolution is the word love. Mm. So love wants to evolve. It does. So if there was soap in the cosmic washing machine, it would be <laughs> evolution soap. It would be the soap of love and, and all these other things. Like maybe they're only in there because they're not being washed away by love. They're, wow. they're being washed by a different soap. Yeah. They're being washed by this soap of judgment or, you know, sure. making a story about how the lineage is tainted. And yeah. there's, there's so much dark energy in this world, Scott. And there's so much demonic energy that, that I'm aware of. I do my best to not attach to it or go too deep into it. Good. But in my own relationship, man, and, and, and even with what I share with you about my father, Dan, and my grandfather, Gene, like there, that dark energy takes a hold of me at times. And, and I wonder if you could say, does that dark energy live inside of us as an origin or is it something that we're swimming in and that we're part of is the dark energy inside of the washing machine itself? Like, is it chicken egg? Is it both? Like, what do you make of that? Because that's a great question, man. That's really present. It's, it's present to me right now. The reason I ask is because I would like it to change. Okay. That's, that's the come from, you know, that's beautiful, man. Um, I guess my immediate response internally is that it's not something we're in as much as it is inside in the sense of this. Yeah. Um, St. Stephen said something many years ago. He said, the light transmutes all that is dark. The dark cannot live in the light. Well, we know there's, we, I know you're, you know this, right? There's nothing in the universe that generates dark. There's no dark generator, if you think about it. There's only the absence of light. So if there's only the absence of light, and then when there's no light, then there's dark. Then if darkness exists within us, which it, you know, Ken Wilber, who I love Ken Wilber and integral theory and like the whole work from Claire Graves is a big part of my work and values and 
spiral dynamics. And, and, but he said, he said, there's, I don't believe there's anybody on the planet that doesn't have some still shadow expression within them. Right. Even talking about the Dalai Lama or whomever, it's like, oh, uh, there's still shadow. Osho had a big ass shadow. For sure. Yeah. Right. And Osho was a Amazing Watch teacher, Wild Wild right? I mean, there's yeah. a book called, uh, it's a it's a book from Catholicism called Saints Behaving Badly. And it's a story <laughs> of all these saints and how they became saints. And they were murderers and rapists and robbers, right? Before they actually became anointed as saints. So it's like, they, they, it's not an issue of, is there darkness or not darkness within us? It's, am I willing to go into that dark with whatever the light is? Yeah. Am I willing to go into that? And and is that dark passed down genealogically? I think sometimes, yeah. I think in some cases, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I've had evidence of it for myself in my own work, and I've had other clients who agreed that it was the truth for them, but I'm not saying it's for everybody. How but, so? Can you share about yours? Oh, sure. Please. Well, you know, my... All right. Um, you know, we're... On my dad's side, we're Cherokee Indian. Go back about four generations to full-blooded. There was a lot of pain and darkness up that side of the family. My mom's side too. Uh, that gets passed, got passed down from my great-granddad to my granddad to my dad. And now also in none of those, just like you were talking about with your granddad and your dad, right? Like we don't know the real conditions, but we probably hear some of the stories. And so that, the absence of nurturing, like today in our world, we realize that nurturing, like when I watch you with Nova, right? Like you're so nurturing and loving and, and like such a good dad, you care so much about him and you're playful and like, but that wasn't necessarily the way our grandfathers were with our fathers mm-hmm. or that our great grandfathers were with our grandfathers, right? Like it just, mm-hmm. it wasn't a thing, man. Yeah. And you know, and so the pain of those men get got passed down the dark, the absence of light, I believe, especially in my lineage, got passed down from my great granddad. I mean, the suffering he went through to my granddad, who was my papa, to my dad. And absence of love in the form of nurturing, touch, kindness, compassion, empathy. Those things get passed down because there's they're just not there, so no one learns it, right? But fear, anger, hurt, pain get passed down from generation to generation through installation. And also, I feel like energetically, like there's almost a, a, a an energetic passing of that from generation, father to son. Or, I think it's emotional epigenetics yep, agreed. In, the, in the same way that people are born with type 1 diabetes yep. or... Agreed. I, I, I agree think it's with it's emotional epigenetics. I agree. So in, in, in my work, especially in timeline therapy, because it started to give me the ability to go back, to have my unconscious mind take me back, not consciously, it was all done unconsciously, but to go back into the, the root cause of things all the way back into my great-grandfather's life and to be able to find the source of events <sighs> and release at that level to where it no longer affects me in this life. Now, what you were talking about earlier is like, you think we're the one for our lineages. And, and, and I agree. And what I've often heard clients say or students say is like, I've, I've literally had people look at me and say exactly what I'm going to say now. Like I had one man, an incredible man from a client from Atlanta who looked at me and he, he came out of intervention. And he just opened his eyes and looked at me and he went, holy shit, this is a generational cycle breaker. 
because he had awareness that he just then in that moment had broken generations of a cycle of pain and suffering and hurt that had been passed down from father to son. Mm. And, and so this is possible, right? And when we can break those cycles, now at, at the end of the day, are we going to, are you going to install some things in Nova that he's going to end up having to do some work on someday? Probably. That's a hard one to swallow. It's life, man, because yeah. there's no, you're not your dad. You're not your sure, granddad sure, for the most sure. part, right? Yeah. Yet, are there some things that Nova's going to internalize in his, his imprint period that he's going to internalize through his own thing for his own growth and evolution and the way he serves and helps and, and makes the world different? Sure. Right? We're, we're not. Sure, there's plenty of books for it, man, but there's no perfect roadmap, right? Because yeah. we're still like, dude, every day you're healing, growing, expanding. Mm -hmm. Every day I'm healing, growing, expanding. So like, is there still dark in me? Is there still shadow in me? Do I still react sometimes? Do I still get scared? Do I still act like an asshole? Yes, I do. I'm going to sit here and be a teacher and share all I do. But look, man, the, the truth is from my all my defect, all my shortcoming, all my falling short, that's where my greatest wisdom has come from. Mm-hmm. Right? If I wouldn't have suffered as much as I did behind addiction, all the different ways I've done to avoid pain, I wouldn't be able to sit here with you and share what I share today. Oh God, I just had a flashback. I was sitting with Dr. Zach Bush. Yeah. And he said, be careful what you wish for in the world when you want to serve, because you will have to experience all the ways that you've shown up in life to where you we're wounding yourself, wounding others at your most darkest form. Yeah. You'll have to actually look at that if you truly want to be of service. And also sometimes the mystery of God, he was saying, sometimes God comes in and brings you these unique challenges when you're of service yeah. that are so drop you to your knees yeah. that it'll make you question if you even want to be of service at all anymore. Yeah. And I feel like for every single person with us right now, man, if you've ever said like, I want to be of service, but I don't know how, or I want to be of service, but I keep sabotaging myself or I'm in service. And then I realize I'm acting like my dad or I'm acting like my mom or whatever. Like th this is actually a way I'm not saying it's the way, yeah. but this is a way that I'm excited to experience myself. Yeah. And also like, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm be straight out. I'm nervous okay. because I've done a lot of trainings. I've done a lot of things. I've spent enough time with you to know that I, I can discern that you have actual wisdom to share in this world. Yeah. And so. Thank you. That's all there. You're welcome. That's all there. There's some part of my being. There's some part of my soul that knows this is probably the most important podcast we've ever published. This wow. is probably one of the most important conversations wow. because of the timing of my life, yeah. because of what I'm going through with Carrie. Yeah. And so if y'all want to join me, like this is the ticket, this is the ticket for you to come and be a part of right here with me. If you ever felt a connection to me on this podcast, if you've ever felt like I'd love to meet Josh or I'd love to be, you know, in community with Josh, like come join me. This is the space. Is That's it. why we're putting this episode out as quickly as we can, yeah. because the timeline therapy is coming up. Like it it's here at the end of this month. So we covered so much ground, man. I know a lot, man. We covered so much covered ground. This has been an epic, but I already knew because we've had so many conversations in your truck and shooting and just in life that, yeah. that were podcasts of their own. Yeah. Um, so this won't be our last for sure. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Tell people where they can go. JoshTrent.com forward slash rewire is the place. And it feels yeah. so good to say that because I'm like, man, you know, a lot of times I'll refer people to like protein powders or, you know, things that are going to nourish them in the short term. But like, 
this is a fucking big one. This is like a long-term thing that people can get lasting change from. So share with people, you know, who this is for, where they're going to go. We'll link it in the show notes um, and tell people just a little bit more about the actual event that we're all going to be at together, that you are going to be at with us. Okay, great. Thanks, man. Well, we, you know, we, it was my good, our friend and my good buddy, you know, Mike Dillard uh, and, and Michelle, Alderman, his fiance, about to be wife next week, and um, and and Joni, we we decided we wanted to put together an event that would cater to Mike's audience and uh, to to really serve because I've done a lot of private work with Mike and has really changed his life. And we were like, how can we serve and create something that's really special? And it's not like an NLP certification training, but how can we take the essence of the things that will give people the most transformation and the most resources in the shortest amount of time. And, and so I, I created an event and I basically de- designed rewire, which took, you know, some fundamental things that we needed to teach, like the ideas, the, I, the, the mindsets, the, the new soap in the washer. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. and, and, and then built a process, uh, for how we could deliver that successfully. And, and then we launched the first one, which was back in June and it was, massively successful and we, we proved that we could do something in a shorter time than we've ever done it. And, and so we, we decided to launch a second one, um, because it's, it's really important timing right now. Cause Joni and I have, as you know, we've bought the ranch in Montana. We're, we're leaving Austin. We're going up to, uh, to kind of continue and evolve the mission with what we're going to be doing yeah. with really private. You're in Rob Wolf's and George Bryant's country. Yeah. And they're, a, they're a neighbors, bunch of other yeah. influencers. Yeah. Seems like a lot of people are going to Montana. Yeah. George is, and George is obviously a, a good friend and, and neighbor. I mean, George is 90 minutes away, but in Montana, that's a neighbor. That's like, yeah, that, that's, that's just a quick ride. Yeah, that's a quick ride. And uh-huh. so, um, but we're, we're really close and, and happy to be with George for sure. So, uh, but we're going to be doing, you know, an evolution of what we're doing up at the ranch and, and doing some really focused transformational work with people who are here to make a difference in the world because we want to proliferate as much change as we can at a time where also I, I need to pull away and do some own my own stillness and inner work and just healing um, right now in my own journey. So we, we decided we're going to run another rewire event and and that's what's coming up October 27th through the 30th and, mm. and who it's for. I mean, it was, it's really focused on, you know, Mike's audience, which are entrepreneurs uh, in, in change-making entrepreneurs, impact-focused entrepreneurs, some who are financial in the financial services and, uh, crypto space as well from Mike's audience. You know, Mike's really evolved his mission and brand and what he's doing to serve the world in, in, uh, from a transformational perspective and bringing in as to where he used to be really marketing focused and, and investment focused and preparation focused. Now yeah. he's expanding more into spiritual, emotional, like full self, which is what he himself needed. That's what he needed. And, beautiful. And, and over the past couple of years, Mike's gone through so much personal growth and, yeah. you know, he's become, I mean, one of my dearest friends since moving to Austin and we've just had such a great friendship and that friendship has blossomed in many ways. And this is one of them. So we, we, we focused the first event on, on his audience and, and what everybody, you know, the, if you, when you go to the, the, see the, the website, you know, watch the videos of the people who are the students who talk about their experience. These testimonials are touching. They're, they're so deeply yeah. moving because so many people came in because they're like, yeah, I want to make more money. I want to rewire my unconscious mind for wealth. Well, what is wealth? Is it just money? Or is it wealth and love? Is it wealth and health? Is it wealth? Is it abundance? And does abundance translate into every area of life? 
And so our belief is that, you know, if we don't have what we want in wealth in any form, then it's just a block that's within us, something that needs to be resolved. So, you know, we weren't like talking about, because some people are like, are we going to get investment strategies? And we're like, no, we're going to give you transformation, <laughs> yeah. right? And and then you go create your own investment strategies. We can give you strategies all day, but if you don't get rid of the blockage or the limiting beliefs that affect your strategies, then you're still just going to do the same behavior over and over again. So it, it's it's for and your audience is perfect, right? But if if you're you know watching or listening to this podcast and and you want to change and you're aware that you've got your own limitations, your own blockages, your own limits to your own greatness, wealth, abundance, expansion, then this is the event for you, right? That's the event for you uh, because we're, we're going to create another beautiful container and it's limited. There's not that many seats. We don't have many seats left. What's the uh, max? It's 50 people? 50 people max. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have, we haven't pushed marketing for the past couple of weeks because Mike and Michelle are in Egypt. They decided to go ahead and, and fast track the wedding, which when we launched, we weren't going to do, they weren't going to get married until next year, but they just got moved by spirit and said, we're doing the wedding 10, 10. Yeah. So that's happening. And then, you know, Joni and I just, we're getting ready to move to the ranch and we just wrapped up a 17 day trainers training. So it's like, you know, we, we've kind of been focused on other things, but we also still have, you know, a small group of seats left and, and we know those are going to fill and those are going to fill for the people who really want to change. Yeah. Right. So, uh, if, if you're a person who, who's, I think you've, you've gotten something out of this podcast and you've like, maybe that's touched someone in their hearts and they've gotten present to, Hey, I've got some of that stuff. You know, I've got some limitations. I've got some negative emotions. I've got some things that are holding me back. Then come, let us teach you how to build a relationship with your unconscious mind. Let us begin you on the journey of integration and wholeness and, and, and give you resources and tools and, and real experiences with those in the training. Not that we're just going to tell you something intellectually and say, yeah. okay, here's an intellectual concept to no, know, because that's not good enough. We got to give you the experience and the support and the place to where you actually get to have the transformation. And that's what, that's what we designed the event. And so it's, it's full on, it's four days, but like, it's, it's not, you're not coming for holiday. You're coming for transformation. Mm -hmm. And that means you're going to show up and we're going to work, right? We're going to get into it and we're going to have a blast and we're going to open our hearts and we're going to, and, and guess what? If you're, if, if you're listening to this and, and you're scared and you're worried that, Hey, I've got to relive something or I've got to go through something I don't want to go through. No, you do not. Absolutely. You do not. Actually, we're going to show you the way that you can get free of those things without having to relive them, without having to suffer anymore, without having to, we're going to give you the structural map and approach that's practically applied, that when you accept the ideas and the instructions, and if you accept the ideas that we share with you and you follow the instructions we give you, then you will get the result. And, and that's what makes the process so effective, right? Like all you have to do is accept some ideas. Yeah. It, it, wash the brain a little bit and yeah. put, some new, put some new beliefs in and then take step one, step two, step three, step four, and you will get the result. So it sounds like from what I heard from you, this is for somebody who wants to create change in the world, but they know that inside of themselves, that change has to happen first. Yeah. So it could be, be ideal for them. For it could sure. be somebody that's beginning their entrepreneur's journey that has a big vision. It could be somebody that maybe has their own business right now, sure. or just somebody that identifies themselves as somebody that's a change maker that wants to create change in the world Absolutely. On, a, on a grand, medium or large scale. That's, that's right. what I heard from you. A hundred percent. All right. Y'all come join us and please answer this last question. Yeah. When we look at this paradigm of like the old self, the new self, the 1.0, the 2.0, the, the five parts of the wellness Pentagon, all the words that we, you know, imperfectly use to describe what wellness actually is. Mm -hmm. How would you define it? How would you define 
living a life of wellness? How does Scott Jackson define living his life well? Hmm. You know, the thing that pops up for me when you say that is um, the... Living my life well for me is the pursuit of the experience of wholeness and all that that entails for me. And then the sharing of that, uh, the service of that to others, to serve others, to experience their wholeness. Thank you, man. Thank you for bringing the wholeness to the table, for being a mentor, for being a friend and for having such incredible conversations with us today. I mean, I really feel like I've had so many, probably almost 600 interviews at this point, but this is the, it's right up there with like one of the most important conversations. Y'all please share this with your friends, with your mom, with your dad, like share this podcast as far as you can, because God, we all want to change the world. I think a part of us wants to change the world, but we can't do that unless we actually look at the world in us and what's going on in us. So man, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show, for being my friend, mentor, and y'all need to join us at Rewire, joshtrent.com forward slash rewire. Notice what stories and bullshit comes up when your soul's like, yes, but then your mind says, well, what about just calm down. Is there resources to help people make a decision if they're kind of actually, on the fence? Actually, that's, or do you um, not want people on the fence? No, 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 no. That, no, that's a great question. Actually, yeah. I was about to speak to that. Look, if if you go to the page and it's a checkout page, right, for Rewire, um, yeah. if there, there will be a link there to where if you want to book a call and talk to either Joni or myself or somebody else on the team, great. And, and like if you're on the fence and you got questions and you're like, you know, I'm not really sure or Look, no, people on the fence, we deal with people on the fence all the time, right? Like that's a part of life. Like somebody who wants to that's push That's part beyond. of transformation. Yeah, man. Like that's, <laughs> you know, absolutely. But our, our job is to support you and help you because if we can support and help you in a way that helps you get off the fence, whether it's, hey, no, it's not for me or no, this is definitely for me. I'm going to step into that mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it with with courage and faith and trust. And yeah. we're here to support you in that. So please, uh, if, you know, you can just check out right from and book your spot. And, and if there's spots available, they'll be there. And, and if, and if you're not ready for that and you need a little a conversation or some support, grab a link uh, on my calendar, on Joni's calendar on, or just grab that calendar link and book a spot and we'll hop on a zoom with you and we'll work it out. Like we're, we're here for you. Amazing. I mean, our job's to serve. Can I, can I share one more thing? Please. I just, and, and also for people to, to know what, to, to keep kind of an idea of what we're going to have going on um, in the future, we want people to watch what we're doing because we, uh, our, our ranch is, the manifestation of the ranch is. We didn't un- even get into no, that we, story. That's a whole, dude, that, that is a that little, story that is, that is a whole, whole podcast. Another podcast. That one story is that's a whole podcast. That one story is a whole podcast and for sure and more. Um, yeah. And we, we are. We do want you to like if if you're interested in knowing what we're up to as we get up to Montana and what's going to be happening as we evolve, uh, please go to mandorlaranch.com. That's M-A-N-D-O-R-L-A ranch.com. 
Uh, and and Joni's uh, has set up an IG for it at Mandorla Ranch. Um, that'll give you a way to follow us and kind of keep up what we're doing because we're going to be doing some really, I think, beautiful, special things. And like that, there's a long story there we won't go into yes, now, yes, but it's, yes. it's the evolution of what we're doing and where we're going. And we want to share it with people because we, we're, I think we're going to do some beautiful things. Man. Thank you so much, bro. Brother, for I love you, man. Show. It's been such an honor to be here with you. Thank yeah. you for giving me this opportunity to sit with you today, man. It's an honor myself. And um, truly, y'all, take this to heart until Scott and I see you again. Yeah. We're both wishing you love and wellness. I'll That's see you then. All right. Hey, it's Josh. I hope you are loving this podcast as much as I am. Now, we can't have deeper awareness unless our physical body, our capsule, is clean, we're well-rested, and we're well-slept. The best way to do this is to actually start at the root level, to start at what goes in your mouth and what goes out of your butt. Because <laughs> we all poop. Everybody poops. Here's what I'm talking about. When you eat clean foods, specifically micronutrients, when you consume micronutrients, your gut is happy, your brain is happy, and your digestive system is happy too. You can have a healthy digestion by eating whole foods, but let's be honest, we're in a hurry a lot in our lives, and it's so, so beneficial to have micronutrients on the go. This is why I have Green Juice Crisp Apple from Organifi. I take it in packets, I put it in my gym bag, I put it in the truck when we go camping, Wherever I need to go, I have my little packet of green juice. They just came out, Organifi, with this new flavor called Crisp Apple, which is freaking amazing. You're going to love it. It's perfectly tart. My mouth is kind of watering right now just talking to you about it. You can get your Crisp Apple on the go, these little packets, so you can feel good in your digestion and your belly, which amplifies out to taking care of your body. And when your body is happy, when your body is healthy, you can have a deeper connection to source, to God, to higher intelligence. It's true. When your body's supported, you can support the mind too. When the mind is supported, you can have a clearer access to what's unconscious, what's in there that needs to be let go of. Go over to joshtrent.com forward slash Organifi. Use the code wellnessforce. You get 20% off your entire order of all your crisp apple packets and anything else you want to throw in your cart. It's a huge savings. You will not find a bigger savings online. Joshtrend.com forward slash Organifi. Use the code wellnessforce. You get 20% off your entire order, which is amazing. And you get it delivered right to your home. This podcast is brought to you by my amazing and my heart-centered friends and colleagues and fellow wellness enthusiast over at Paleo Valley. I love Paleo Valley. They make these super tasty, healthy turkey sticks that I pretty much devour on the daily. Uh, when we get the box of turkey sticks, they last like, I don't know, a week. I don't know how my family's eating that many turkey sticks. I know you're going to feel the same way. You should probably stock up and get two to three boxes because we're always looking for healthy snacks. And these are the best I've ever come across. Beyond just the turkey sticks, you can pick up a bunch more, like a bottle of ACV, otherwise known as apple cider vinegar for your blood sugar. All you have to do is go to joshtrent.com forward slash paleo valley. Use the code Josh to get 15% off your entire cart. Now, why is ACV so important? Well, blood sugar. Paleo Valley Apple Cider Vinegar Complex makes getting organic apple cider vinegar into your body easy and fast without having to tolerate the taste. You ever had those ACV burps where you drink the apple cider vinegar and it's like, <laughs> well, Paleo Valley Apple Cider Vinegar 
does not have that. And it's good on your teeth. ACV strips your teeth. Most people don't know this, but you can get it in pill form as well as the ACV, the organic turmeric, organic ginger, organic cinnamon, organic lemon, everything in the apple cider vinegar complex, joshtrent.com forward slash paleo valley. Use code josh for 15% off. ACV can help support healthy blood sugar levels, minimize cravings, support nutrient absorption, and can help support natural relief from occasional indigestion. This is the ultimate ACV complex. You can get yours at joshtrend.com forward slash paleo valley. Thank you for being with us on the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. Every link, resource, and wellness good you heard today can be found at your show notes page. Roll over to joshtrent.com forward slash podcast, and you just got an exceptional gift of wellness and wisdom. Don't let it go to waste. Don't be one of those people who hears a podcast, smiles, gets entertained, but puts down their phone and doesn't embody it doesn't use it. You can choose something different today. And I know you feel this to start a new journey. Head over to joshtrent.com forward slash M21 and get three free weeks of coaching from me to you directly in your inbox. Get your free morning 21 wellness guide, including your breathwork practice and guided journey from my heart to yours based on 20 years of my own experience. That's joshtrent.com forward slash M21. And if you're ready to dive deeper right now, join us in the wellness and wisdom community by enrolling rolling in our Breathe Breath and Wellness program over at breathwork.io. At breathwork.io, this is a three-week journey where you're going to save $150,000 and months of travel to learn the best of the best breathing science and spirit to apply into your life to eradicate stress using your breath. The world's not getting any easier, but you can be stronger. Join me on this three-week guided journey, including binaural beats, guided breathwork meditations, proper posture and muscle training, so you can learn how to use your breath as your ally for the rest of your life. No matter what comes your way, if you can breathe, you can choose. Use code PODCAST25 over at breathwork.io to save 25% off your Breathe Breath and Wellness three-week guided program to work directly with me at breathwork.io. Use code podcast25 to save 25% off. I cannot wait to see you in the program.